three, two, one. Oh, and they're off. Yeah. So, podcast number 270. Wow. <laughs> Boy, if you don't feel good about that, you probably I just feel should. old. I know, right? Five. 270 podcasts, and we're still doing it. John was yeah, just a small little boy when he started. <laughs> a wee lad. Just a wee lad. <laughs> the, uh, back when we were recording them on Reel to Reel. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And everybody could listen to their podcast one at a time. <laughs> you just mailed it to your friends. Yeah, that was the, that was the game. We had impressed on vinyl. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that might be a thing to get hipsters involved into this. If we made special edition, limited edition vinyl. On, on picture discs. <laughs> picture discs. <laughs> well, we, we can also do it on Just wax. a butthole spinning around. <laughs> I think we put we camera on charges. Wax, wax cylinders. That's yeah. recyclable, too. Yeah. So that's yeah. environmentally friendly. And that's 78 RPMs, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the whole disc, so whole discs last like six minutes? Six minutes, yeah. yeah. That's it. <laughs> the... Uh, it's a it's a really funny thing. Uh, I got I picked up a little Subaru. So you guys saw this little Subaru Sambar, and it's 660 cc's of supercharged power. And but what's funny is the head unit in there is uh, the Japanese are just they're great because their head unit has cassette and it has CD, mm-hmm. but no aux input, right? <laughs> so because aux input didn't exist in 1995. No. You don't need to add anything. And I did put an mp3 disc in it so i you know just got you know in the when it was popular in the early 90s i would burn a thousand songs a thousand mp3s onto a cd you know a burnable cd and then you chuck that in whatever it is you're driving so you don't have to change discs every hour yeah. yeah exactly and i put it in and watching this head unit which probably was one of the first head units that could decipher an mp3 watch it try to chew and figure out an mp3 <laughs> and then when it did lock in on it if you hit a micro bump it lose it forever. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So what, it didn't have the durability of finding that wave file, that big, dirty wave file. I remember file. that, though, when CD players first came out. Yeah. Like, if you hit anything, they would skip, and that was Oh, bad. yeah. It was horrible. I did lay down big money for a sergeant in the Army at the time. They had a car discman, hmm. and a car discman had all kinds of extra shock absorption built into it. So hmm. you could hit bumps and stuff, and it wouldn't skip. Consequently, though, it was thick as a book yeah. and heavier than fuck. And so you just feed double A batteries into this thing. So mm-hmm. by the time you got done feeding double A's into it, it'd be time for more double A's. Yeah, I had a discman sitting up on my dashboard yeah. on a piece of foam. Yeah, oh, I was yeah. like, oh, it might not skip. Oh. Mm-hmm. I still have one. Still yeah, I've got mine kicking discman. around. Yeah, it so. took a couple of years before they got the delay built in, where it would like read the data and if, you know go back. You mean or whatever. sixteen times oversampling? Exactly. Yeah, 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 that was it. I had an FM converter with a eight track. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so what what is this? Well, you slide it into your your eight track, and then what do you do? You drop your cassette into the top of it. <laughs> so my first my '68 Lincoln, it had an AM with an eight track and eight speakers. Nice. That was 1968 technology, nice. but I did. I bought that that tape adapter that fed into the eight track, <laughs> and you could put cassettes on it, and they would just sit on the top. It was good because you could see the guts moving. And everything mm. it was pretty cool, but yeah. My daddy said, "Son." You're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that Hot Rod Lincoln. The, uh, one of the best songs ever written. Commander so, Cody. Commander Cody and Lost Planet Airman, Lost man. Lost Planet Those Airman. Guys he were... played in New York. At a, um, he's, he's very ill. Or he was very ill last summer. And he's got cancer or something. Really? No more 20-flight rock for that guy. And he um, played at this, they this uh, big concert in the fall Yeah. On uh, right on Lake George. And... I was I wanted to go to the concert, but I ended up having to work. So, damn it! 
See, that's a shit. But he was the headliner for that. But he was he was was the headliner for that show. To my left is um, get to know your microphone, Chris. Chris, pull your microphone a little closer to your face hole. Yeah, that's why you get these cool arms. Hi. Oh, oh, well, that's all right. He broke. He blew a spring. (laughs) (laughs) It was a spring drive micro. Don't worry about it. We'll fuck with that later. (laughs) The uh, to my left is the honorable brother, Chris Smith. Chris Alcaran. Alcaran Smith. When he showed up wearing the Fez to the podcast today, I've got one of the old Tiki Bob uh, Merv bowling tiki mugs uh, that I happen to have two of them just by luck. So I was like, you need to own this. So he's got the the official bowling edition of the the Tiki Farm mugs. See, but the thing is, it would not surprise me if he was in some secret society. Right. right. That would just be like, oh, okay, Chris is in that. I tested him with the secret handshake when I first met him. Okay, he knew. Right. Yeah, and I said, "Woo!" He went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" I barely know you, man. And to his left, Dan Kropke. Yay! What'd you bring, Dan? Uh, Dickel Rye and West Cork Barrel Strength. We are definitely going to be drinking Irish some rye whiskey. today, aren't we? So there we go. Don't rye about it. I'm not going to rye about it. No. And Johnny Mac. What did you bring? I brought some of Cinch's Bloody Mary because mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to go gluten free. Oh. I've had too much gluten in the form of beer in yeah. the last couple of days. Yeah. And it might have something to do with my farts, I'm thinking. That <laughs> yeah, could be it, right? So yeah. I'm trying a little different fuel. A little extra gluten. Yeah. A little uh, afterburner action there yeah. on the on the back door. He needs the reburner. He does need the afterburner. <laughs> yeah. Something. That's it. And to his left? Steve Hoffert. Very good to see you tonight, sir. I and? brought nothing. Um, Steve's <laughs> sleeping. Running the boards. And, and, we- and we're having, this is a salad drink. Because yes. you get all your vitamins and minerals and all that kind of thing. Is it V8? Well, sort of. It's Mrs. T's. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. T's. Is it Mr. and Mrs. T's? Mr. With and Mrs. T. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Mr. and Mrs. T's. And then to his left, your humble narrator, our uh, podcast viewers will appreciate a new camera angle. Which all righty. So you can see all of our smiling faces. And you can also see the monitor, which a lot of people are asking about. Like, we don't know what you're looking at. Right. Well, now you know what we're looking at. So you can have that. Um, people were sniping on our previous podcast on the YouTube saying that they were looking at my computer ah. to try and see what I was looking at. Oh, they were zooming in? Well, because we were playing the video of me riding the bikes in California and stuff, right. and they couldn't see it, so they were a little left out. But here's the tip. If you're watching one of last week's video on the YouTube, go to Cleveland Moto channel, and I have all those videos are all posted on the Cleveland Moto YouTube channel, so you can watch them like you were there. In fact, You're viewing pleasure. Yeah, like you were in the helmet with me, as there they say. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, Helmut. Helmut, indeed. <laughs> so uh, a couple of things that are in the news for us in Cleveland. Uh, Lordstown is not far from here. And this Lordstown factory, when Chevy w- pulled, what was it, the Cobalt? Mm-hmm. So when they pulled the Cobalt. No, the Cruise. Cruise. Cruise? Chevy yeah. Cruise. Yeah. So when they were building those, or they stopped building those, this really big factory became a, a fucking ghost town, man. And the factory goes back to 1975 or 76. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a, I mean, and it's a big piece of property. It is gigantic. Yeah. It's on a couple and it hundred was state acres. state of the art back then. So it's, for that thing to be sitting vacant is a yeah. fucking shame, Idle, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a mile long. It's it big. It said they're also going to expand another 126 acres. That's yes, what I thought was super right. cool about it. So the news story is um, it all went through this week, and LG Chem, which is a company that makes batteries, and General Motors have announced an agreement, and they're going to build a 30-gigawatt battery factory. Hmm. And this is a big deal for us. 
So this is uh, a big deal. This is very cool. Yeah, because as we know, moving forward, the future of vehicles is going to be electric. At least a giant portion of it is. Mm-hmm. And Elon Musk has been building gigafactories. So they've got the gigafactory in New York. They've got a gigafactory in Nevada. And this is going to give us that same kind of output, but it's going to give it to us here in Ohio, where we desperately need it after losing so much of our manufacturing base. 1,100 jobs. Yeah, 1,100 jobs. So the Lordstown factory had originally employed 3,300 workers. So getting a third of that back doesn't seem like much, but no, it does. it's a fucking yeah. start, man. Yeah, oh, you absolutely. should go buy up all those mobile homes right there in that park right across from the factory. <laughs> That's a great idea, man. Oh, my God. That is a really good me. idea. Yeah, long-term Airbnb, those things, for the, for the staff they're going to bring in to build these. Uh, they're well, planning on being uh, achieving what's called $100 per kilowatt hour. That's the most exciting thing. About it really it. is. Uh, that's, that's a big, big number. How does that number break down, Steve? So you talk about $100 per kilowatt. If you look at it, I just figured this out for, yeah. for the zero batteries. Right. Okay, so my zero has a 6.5 kilowatt hour mm-hmm. battery. Right. And that costs roughly 5500 bucks to replace. Correct, yeah. There's... So if you're looking at 6.5 times $100, that's $650 compared to $5,500. Yeah, that's like 12% so that's a game changer cost. right there. Yeah. That's a game changer for... Bringing uh, the price of electric vehicles down. And then if you look at uh, their old... They're, and the power, because those are LiPo batteries. Mm-hmm. So if you look at um, a 6.5 kilowatt battery weighs about 80, 80, 90 pounds. Okay. Yeah. Their old cars had a 26 kilowatt battery, mm-hmm. and that weighed uh, 1,200 pounds. Holy shit. So can you imagine the range you're going to be able to get if you're only paying, a, I mean, for the same cost right. and for the same weight, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to triple the range Easily of that car. Yeah. And getting the cost per kilowatt hour down, when we look at the new zeros that we have in the room with us, their big battery system now is 14.4 kilowatt hours. So if you could get that battery cost where in the world of zero, we talk about these, um, everything now with zero is all running on a 3.2 kilowatt battery block. Mm -hmm. It's like the size of a toaster. It weighs 40 pounds and it's 3.2 kilowatts. And those things are 2,600 bucks a piece and up, right? So if you took that 3.2 and you dropped that from 2,600 bucks down to 320 bucks, now that's production costs. That's not going to be the retail to the consumer, but just the same, that's a massive change, and that's going to bring the price of these electric vehicles down pretty fast. But if it's double, mm-hmm. that makes your electric bike uh, very attractive to purchase because yeah. you you think about buying one of these bikes and say. Just say that the battery burns like like you have a five year warranty on the battery. Yeah, and absolutely. Just and it it won't fail after five years. No, not at all. But say it did fail after five years. Right. Somebody's going to say, well, why would I spend another? Like, I mean, those batteries right there, mm-hmm. like that fourteen point four battery, is probably ten thousand dollars. It's a substantial yeah. piece of the price of the motorcycle. So right. somebody's got to be thinking, well, you know, is this a throw? Is this bike a one time? I, I buy it. By the time uh, the battery dies, it's a throwaway because the ba- the battery pack's going to cost me half the cost of a new bike, so That's I might right. as well buy another bike and get the new technology. That's or exactly right. if the price comes down to say replacing that battery pack for a thousand or two thousand mm-hmm. dollars versus ten thousand dollars, then you say in ten years there's going to be a very large used 
market for yeah. electric bikes because you could just replenish the battery. It sounds like and, the best deal in the world. Right. And they're not brushless, and the motors are brushless. They'll last forever. And the yeah. controllers should last for a certain number of hours, but they'll mm-hmm. be replaceable. I mean, they're, that's not a high, big expense. It's not the most expensive part of the bike by a long shot. And do they have, so you know the bikes well, and so do you. Mm-hmm. Are the, the cavities, like, could they put other batteries in? There's no reason why you couldn't take any case in the world. Right and reproduce that case to carry any kind of a battery that comes out. Okay. Uh, I, what I found was interesting. There's a chart that we're going to throw into the show notes as well, but if you take a look at the production of Tesla, where right now this chart, the the dark red line, the orange line is the future. The or, orange line is what they're predicting by 2028. Don't even fucking pay attention to that because that's just vaporware. That's a, that's a wish. But the dark part, the very bottom of the line, You'll see that Tesla right now is leading the world. So LG China, big surprise, LG China and Tesla are very similar to their power output, their battery output right now. And right behind them is Samsung. And then if you look at Panasonic, they're right in that hunt too. And there's a company called CATL that also does a lot in the way of batteries. And so you look at who the world players are. If if LG, I'm sorry, if this LG Chem and General Motors together, um, they're going to be up there. And that's what really excites me because being here in Ohio and having that resource, we're going to be able to have American-made motorcycles with American-made batteries in them. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be really significantly important for us because that means less of our money in the purchase price of this bike is going out of the country. Well, so we're going to make some weird bedfellows too because yes, it you is. think... If they're having a 30 gigawatt factory, then they're going to be selling to Ford and well, that's what I, that's what I was just going to say. I mean, GM is notorious for. I mean, GM Motors and gasoline right. engines have been put in Sobs and this Everything. and that. Volvo's so if the they're making deal. these batteries, yeah. they're going to sell them to everybody they can. And in the 52 and 53 Lincoln had a GM transmission yeah, in it. Exactly. So it's great. It's a great thing to think that we're going to have that kind of a manufacturing resource in Ohio. The other thing that the uh, CEO of General Motors said, which I thought was interesting, is that we understand that um, global warming is here. Mm -hmm. It's going to continue. And we are going to position ourselves to correct for global warming, which is a huge statement in this day and age with a lot of global warming deniers in a lot of powerful places. And being the CEO of General Motors Corporation... Still is is a big deal. It's not what it was 30, 50, 100 years ago. Right. But it's still significant. And for her to come out and say that. Yeah. Yeah, but they're also playing to the market, too. Good. You're playing to the millennial market. Good. Whatever it takes to get them to buy the car. You believe it or you don't believe it. You're going to say that because that's your next, that's your emerging market. Your emerging market. Here's an interesting thing. Or on the other hand, she does believe it. Right. So you look at. No, I'm not saying that she doesn't believe it. I'm just saying that it's either way, it's a. A move that's going to position Ingratiate GM to yourself sell better. To the next. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Here's Generation. a question for you. Here's a bonus question. <laughs> General Motors right now, they do produce a certain number of electric vehicles. All their batteries right now come from a plant in Michigan called the Brownstone Battery Manufacturing Facility. We've just told you that the Lordstown plant is going to initially employ 1,100 people. How many people do you think currently work in battery production for General Motors in their facility at Brownstone Battery? 35. 
Yeah, it's 60. Okay. So it's 60 people full-time. Uh, or I'm sorry, 60 people total, 35 or 37 full-time, and the rest are part-timers. Woof. What a massive expansion to go from <clears throat> 60 people to, to 1,100. 1100 yeah. Well, yeah. really, how much of a battery is not automated? Well, that's another good, yeah. You'd think that uh, automation is a major part of that. Yeah. Right? Well, you so. got But then I'm thinking, so where are all the raw materials coming from? You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be trucking, shipping, logistics, yeah. in and out of that, that it's... Oh it's yeah, it's going to be moving metal, moving the things. The footprint of jobs that are going to support that factory are going to be pretty impressive. Lithium, do you actually even produce that kind of battery? I, I think mean, there is. I mean, we I don't just know. need to make better friends with Pakistan and you know all the stands because that seems to be where a lot of it's hiding right now. Because like phosphorus Steven is Stan? running. The, Steven Stan? Yeah, the, they're saying that phosphorus is going to run out. I don't. I mean, I honestly don't doubt that that we could run this planet out of any damn thing we wanted to. Uh, it just as we looked at things that were deemed to be precious metals many, many, many years ago, and we hung everything on the production of certain things, and now those things don't have much value at all. We've yeah. stepped away from... The Earth's crust is about how many miles thick? So yeah, somewhere I, <laughs> in this planet, it's there. They just have to find it. So there's and low... It you know, it's just like with oil, there's the low-hanging fruit. There's right. stuff, it's bubbling out of the ground. Yeah. Great, that's the first place we're going to get it. Exactly. But we, as it gets more expensive, then it becomes more profitable and to find it on other places. does talk about things like silica batteries, and they talk about um, solid-state batteries. But the interesting thing is, despite all that discussion of those technologies, the people who have the most money at stake in battery technology are tripling down on lithium. So it's nice that I think... They're looking towards a solid-state battery. They're looking towards a silica battery or alternative technologies. But that is not slowing them down one bit from investing in infrastructure in lithium. But don't they always say that, like, whatever we have now, yep. the government or some, some uh, military agency has something 50 years ahead of what we're getting now? Maybe. So <clears> what do you think the battery, like... Uh, You've wonder, been in the military. I have, and Were what we had was not 50 years ahead of everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, but yeah. Sorry, it's just the coronavirus. I'm just, I'm wondering uh, like, what they actually have that we haven't heard about yet that's powering some of the things that know. we don't get to see. You know? Uh, the, you know what everyone talked about? Well, the Mars rover or, mm. you know, different things that are, they're well-performing beyond what their original design was. Mm -hmm. They planned for something the last two years, and they're still getting data back from it 12 years later. Right. So, yeah, obviously, that's the extremely high-hanging fruit, the rare air shit that costs, you know, $20 million an ounce. Um, yeah, that, that stuff's reserved for the space program. Right. It's not going to wake. It's not going to make its way into your kidneys no, for a long I'm time. Saying, but what they learned from all that yeah. definitely trickles down, and we get oh. some remnants of it. Hell yes. So. so that's great for us. We get calculators. <laughs> we could if we're lucky. The uh, on your phone. Would you uh, would you be interested? I know we talked last week because Cameron was here. We spoke a lot about Harley Davidsons, which happens anytime Cameron's around. But apparently, I have to give a gold star of uh, knocking Happiness. one out of the park for Indian because Indian launched this week their new uh, emphasis on more affordable. <clears throat> Scout Bobber 60. And why I think this is kind of cool is, I think, I mean, I've ridden them, and I think the, the, the Scout is a cool bike. It's, it's, it, for some reason, everybody that's walking away from Harley-Davidson is walking into Indian. Everybody I've talked to ever is like, oh, yeah, I used to have a Harley, but now I've got an Indian. Well, and that's a big popular statement. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still an American bike, and 
they're they're happier with the performance and stuff like that. And it's black. This one is black because black is cheaper. The uh, it does turn out that the brand new Indian Scout sixty, you know, that's a thousand cc bike, and that's a thousand cc bike with no shortage of awesome <clears throat> technology in it. It looks good. It does look nice. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it looks really good. And my Are you getting one for us there, Uncle? No, uh, Phil? no, not until they're crashed, used, or you know, far less valuable. <laughs> and not even that this one's a problem, but this is coming in at eighty nine ninety nine. Wow! So yeah, nine thousand bucks. But so let's talk about an eighty three Sportster, right? Exactly. But yeah. on their website, which you posted, yeah, today, I, so I went and yeah. looked at it. Yeah. So <laughs> configure your bike, and I said, "Ooh, the okay." Configurator. So I was I was playing with the configurator, and I added saddlebags. And I added a pipe. Oh, no, you changed paint color. A couple of that paint color yeah. and a few things. And mine came up to $17,940. Yeah. <laughs> so $9,000 is relevant if you're willing to take what you see. The $89.99 Scout, the Scout 60, is only available at that price point in that color of invisible to other drivers black. Uh, it's black, black, black. The only thing that isn't black would be the brake rotors. <laughs> Because they couldn't be black, and I think if they could figure out a way to make those black, they would have made those those uh, those discs black. But it is kind of interesting. I mean, nine hundred ninety nine cc, seventy you know seventy eight horsepower, that's pretty damn good. And a price tag of under ten grand. Uh, that's that's kind of what America's asking for, and it's a liquid cooled modern motor. So, and we, obviously nobody sat on one yet, but the Egros look decent. They do. They don't yeah, look yeah, like yeah. they're still be... forward. Um, yeah, it looks like a forward control. It's a standard forward control configuration. And you know, the one I rode last year, it's not unlike that. I mean, that's pretty much the same thing as all the Scouts. And it did ride nice. It rode fine. Is that a long reach from that saddle up to those? It is. Cars? It is. Uh, Merritt rode it. And, you know, Merritt's five foot four on her license, five foot two in real life. And she was able to ride the bike around. All she right. enjoyed it. She, right. she dug it. She's in that, you know, we call it the flying, you know, the flying <laughs> toe touch position. Yeah. Uh, so it's not going to be ever, all things to all people, but I'm, I'm just happy that they did it. It's it's badass. Uh, interesting thing about their marketing, uh, why I you know why I think that Cameron last week was talking about Harley Davidson placing their uh, clip art onto a site where graphic artists go to find clip art for free, and so that if you type uh, you know motorcycle into this clip art engine and get this non-licensed uh, art that people can use for different things that Harley-Davidson had made sure to populate like the first three positions were Harley-Davidson motorcycles. That's pretty good, man. That's, yeah, it's not a yeah. dumb thing, right? And so, but some people scoffed at it. it well, Indian fired mm-hmm. back. If you look at the front page of Indian's uh, website for the Scout 60, oh my. Uh, if that's, I, I think I know these people. I'm fairly certain I know these people. But look at that uh, that sheet is, you know, hot, hot lady rider putting on her helmet and her exposed sleeves of many tattoos. And the dude's got his brown leather jacket on. He's got the brown saddle on his Indian Scout 60 with the chrome finish engine. And uh, she's got her blacked out bike. And that definitely, to me, appeals. Uh, I think that appeals to a younger rider than a lot of other marketing I've seen. They're in front of Culinary Dropout. Yes! The I'm cool so, restaurant. I'm so glad you said that because, you know what? It's culinary, but it's also dropout. So it's ironic. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like you go and you go to eat really, really good food, but they serve it to you on like thrift store plates. No, this guy, yeah. he took it to the next level. He's like, you know, you can do all this fancy stuff, but we're right. going to remake PB and J. Yes. Yeah, and they're going to reimagine. It's a reimagine. Right. It's a deconstructed PB and J. They bring you a piece of bread, they bring you some jelly and butter, and you get to put it together yourself. Yes. It's a deconstructed PB and J. With artesian bread, though. Fuck them. <laughs> and do you know, and Artisanal. that's. Well, Artisanal. and again, Sorry. they don't hire chefs, they hire. Dropouts. 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 Yes. <laughs> because they want nonconformists. Yeah. Pittsburgh, you know, Culinary Institute of Art? Yeah. No, not here, sir. Yeah. We only want Culinary Institute of Art dropouts. Drop army, army cooks. Right, army <laughs> slop. Yeah. Prison, Serve everything. Prison cook. Prison yeah. cooks. Yeah. You're hired. Come on in. We have that in town. Yeah, well, and the good news is they come pre tattooed. So, yeah. But the bikes look nice. The I'll, bikes do look great. I'll give them that. You know, yeah. they got the. Uh, Longer fenders up front, which aren't as ensconced as uh, you would hope. But, well, uh, it does keep the grit and grime and shit off the rad. Um, there's something to be said about fenders that actually fend. Yeah. Uh, and I like the parallel exhaust. I, I do, mean, too. I like the, the shotgun-style exhaust. But I mean, I like the parallel down pipes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, I agree. But, but hold on. I think it's a, the angle is They nice. hold the same yeah. angle. So if the front down pipe. Over. If you the notice, though. Be, they're on the wrong thing, though. The top one should go underneath the other one, so that uh, your two blanks are the right length. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, but here's the thing. This is the not important that. thing. If you notice these bikes, yeah, that's not what you get for nine. Grand. No, 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 you no. You see the small yeah. fonts because I built that bike and it was seventeen. Right. Yeah, mm. with bags on it though. Yeah, and it's and he's not joking. If you do have to, you do literally have to go in, and Thunder Black is the only way you can buy it at that price point. The second you go even to Thunder Black with ABS. You are now knocking the ball out of the park on the price Ching. point. Yeah, it really is. It's it's so true, and that's the as configured. You get eighty nine ninety nine. I'm going to go over here and let's just say for the sake of argument, we just want to make it sexy. We're going to make it pearl white and titanium, and instantly ten oh. seven. Yep. So that but one still thing, not bad. yeah, that's but it's not bad. That's Come an on. 18, add a few accessories, dude. That's an eighteen hundred dollar upgrade for just the paint. So to but it's see two-tone, that tone too, it is two tone. It is two tone. But you know, you look at that bike. There's the difference between black and eighteen hundred dollars more. What's burgundy? I mean, what's just a, a flat? I mean, a well, burgundy color. paint. Let's find out. So it's ten two. So you're it's adding fourteen hundred. Yeah. So you're adding fourteen hundred to the purchase That's price or it. whatever. It could be. Yeah, it is. I mean, I know what it costs to Steve's get a motorcycle got more shot. More money than God. What the yeah. hell? Yeah, we know what it costs Not to get a motorcycle Steve. shot. <laughs> it's pretty expensive. Yeah, go ahead, Daniel. Well, you know, I don't know how much you would actually save, but S&S is making aftermarket parts sure. for Indian now. Right, right. And that's, and that's a hell of a thing, and that tells you a lot about who's buying them. I think for $1,400, yeah. I'd buy it in the black, and I'd take my tins to some guy, and I'd have him do it up whatever I wanted. Whatever I wanted. $1,400 yeah, would get your, your tins painted. And now everybody's, yeah. doing, everybody's doing dips Especially and different coatings, too. brand new, where there's no, there's no, he doesn't have to fill anything or do anything. Sand it down and paint it. That's yeah. true. Or buy wrecked ones and have them. I think yeah. they could have just shown you a real bike and not a CGI of the... That's <laughs> the and that is the, that is the flavor of the week. And to do that, you know, to do everything in CGI, but that gives you the ability to rotate the bike around, yeah. you know? Yeah, but you can do that with pictures. They could have done that with pictures. I know. I agree. So, well, again, I'm not a web designer, and I don't pretend to be one on the goofy. internet. goofy. I mean, yeah. with, the, with the picture like yeah. that. Yeah, it's but. a silly thing. And it's, it all harkens it back cool to, like, those bike, games though. where you'd build, design your own motorcycle and go race it. You know, a video well, that's game. That's what they sold thing. that to GT6 or Grand Theft Auto 6. <laughs> so yeah. that's going to be <laughs> in the video game. That's how they put it together. Yeah. 
So, you know, give them credit for I like that. The boss. <laughs> and well, what are they doing too? Is this isn't the dealership. This means nothing, right? But this gives you the ability from the comfort of your toilet to like embark <laughs> upon the journey of owning and customizing a motorcycle and then wiping we, yourself. Well, but it's what we used to do with the JC Whitney catalog. Yeah. So we would sit there with our 66 Beetle and we'd sit on the toilet with the JC Whitney catalog and we'd fold pages over for oh, the like Baja bug. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to build the Baja bug one page at a time. We just got a bidet, by port, the way. I want dual port and heads. Now you're living a good life, aren't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. He didn't you must have women water. in your house. Regular Cold. one? Cold water. Yeah, you got to have a hot water bidet, man. I'm That's gonna, uncivilized, dude. I'm going to have to upgrade at some point. <laughs> I just This was just dipping my toe in the water, my bum in the water. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. But it is a level of cleanliness that's hard to match. Does it have enough force that if you miss, if oh. it hits the ceiling? Oh, it's got force. <laughs> it's okay. got plenty it's of pressure. A, okay, so our toilet is right yeah. across from the shower. Oh, yeah. Luckily, I had the shower curtain on, on the first time I hit it. Yeah. And it is a laser from the toilet straight to the back of the shower wall. It's just... <laughs> I'm like, whoa, fuck. How does it know where your pu- your your pucker is? You kind of... it's Mine's got a button you can aim it. Okay. So well, no mine, shit. Yeah. You have a joystick. Does it have a joystick and a camera so you can like hone in on it and <laughs> oh, hit the no, fire no. button? No, you believe me. <laughs> Let me tell you what. When you've got when you've got 18 psi of water shooting at your brown note, there is no doubt you know where the target acquisition is. And then you just reach down and there's a little button that tells you forward and backwards. It doesn't give you left or right. Uh, it's just it's just elevation. So it's a claw game. It is, and you just and you can sit there and you can be like, nope. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. And you can work a little back and forth, and it has the oscillation action. action. Well, so at that think, point, you need to have Pornhub, too. Nah. Well, Honey, know. are you still in the bathroom? <laughs> yeah. so if you it's leave, not that if way. You leave, uh, uh, mine's long, not that. Does it come out of your nose? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, mine but if you get really relaxed, you yeah. can get a true deep cleaning. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so. Oh, my prostate. I haven't there. been able to go full throttle with mine, and I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> if you went full throttle, you'd get a... Fucking deep cleaning. <laughs> deep cleaning. Because even at low, it's like my Peggy was like, it kind of hurts. I'm like, it hurts. <laughs> it hurt. You talk, oh, just the first I time. I still now. love you, honey. <laughs> oh. You'll get used to it. Trust me. Yes. Anyone here ever used a toilet in Japan? No. no. A squatty no. potty? Toilets in Japan are the most amazing thing because there's a little electronic control panel on the side of each one because it has a bidet. Yeah. It has a heated seat. That's the one I own. I mean, I don't know. I think I never figured out what all the buttons did. I think one of them vibrates and (laughs) there's like a sink built into the back of the toilet. So when you wash your hands, that water goes into the tank to flush the toilet. Oh, Oh, jeez. It's unbelievable. See, we thought Phil was just buying key cars. He's also on these other websites buying like, you know, 1995. Five Japanese toilets that he brings in. He can finally. He's got a long waiting list. Also, I'm gonna. I'm gonna assure you right now that we got this one as a. This one is basically a gift. But a friend of mine who's the uh, head mechanic at Motorsport Scooters in San Diego, Robot. Uh, Robot had one, and when I experienced the one at Robot's house, as soon as I left Robot's house. I was like, I know what I need to buy. <laughs> and once you em- fully embrace a heated water, heated seat. So mine's heated water, heated seat. And I've got friends in Chicago. My buddy Derek, he bought one that has a, a hand remote. Hmm. So that's a cordless yeah, interaction. The hand comes right up? The hand comes right out. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's got a little brush on Over it. Over at the McElfresh house, ours <laughs> yeah. was uh, one-tenth so of that price. Yeah, so this one, there's Derek's. He's got the, the remote there, right? And uh, But, yeah, they're really easy to install. They take no time at all to install and just plug it in where you plug in your... Uh, I am thinking about tapping into the hot water brush. under the sink and yeah, then, you can do that. then doing that. Yeah. 
Or you could just buy one that has. Mine's got a little water tank on it oh, that, that heats it. Oh my god! In the back, mm-hmm. so you don't even see it. Because, yeah, dude, you don't want full like 120 no, degree no, water no. spraying up your pie hole. And and <laughs> to tell you again to the to the level of opulence of the one that I'm using. So the one I have at the house is this guy down here. The uh, to give you an idea, the opulence it has a timer. That no, wait a minute, that's the Toto SW. The Toto Super 20... Washlet 2033. Yeah, the C100. It's not the top of the range. As you can see, the controller is still hooked to the device. It's not a hand. It's not a wireless controller. But what it does is it senses your use patterns and then only heats the water when you'll need it. Um, it has the... What you, keeps talking? Oh, it's just our little security cameras. So, oh, okay. Yeah, don't worry. That's the, uh, the security cameras are having trouble finding. I've got some extra security cameras for fun and uh, some pan and tilt ones but they're just sometimes they have trouble finding the wi-fi okay and then they then the little japanese woman says wi-fi connected so your bidet has a smart hot water heater yeah it does and so it'll it'll determine your schedule so it only heats the seat and heats so it heats the seat and it heats the water you can heat the seat and the water at different temperatures and you can of course there's three different targeting so there's targeting for the vajayj there's targeting for the back door and there's targeting for the back door at low pressure. Mm. And then each one of them has rotation or non-rotation. It's pretty fucking sweet living. I mean, I'm going to tell you guys, you don't knock until you tried it. Um, and you'll use about a third as much toilet paper as you ever used. And it does. It's going to save you $8 a year. It could. It I've, might. Been doing, that, 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 I've been doing one good wipe first. Mm. I'm like, let's get, let's knock the mud down <laughs> <laughs> with one good wipe. You, what, you, what, you want to get rid of the solids. Oh, I just don't want to be blasting well, shit, this, shit spray all over the well, place. Will it, will it handle like a lipstick turd where like, you know, like, like you have, like you, you it's just you wipe, you wipe. No, I did that the other day. I had a dangler. Okay. And I'm like. I've got a bidet. I've got a dang. You got the perfect answer. So like, you have to stand up and move over? Gave a little <laughs> spritz. Whoop. Oh, there it goes. So it's it's almost like a water jet where it'll just like hose off until oh. it breaks it off and gets off of there. Mine, if you turn it on full throttle, it's going to... Mine, if you turn it on full throttle, it's going to cut your skin. Yeah. There's absolutely no doubt about it. We've never had it on full. We one time had it on full. I got off that seat so fast. You have a power limiter? Well, no, that's the problem, is it probably should. And I don't know what person of the so, Titanium Butthole Society could use this thing at that's, full chat. That's, that's years so, of genetics. Years of genetics, yeah. yeah. My so shit snipper's not that tight. You never need a turd knife now. No, ever. Cut never, right ever. Yeah, right. No, it's right. like... I have seen power washers from Harbor Freight that have less oomph <laughs> than this thing does. But yeah, it's a real deal. It's the real you deal. You could cut metal. It's like an aqua laser. It's like yeah. <laughs> so Daniel, you could go back. You could have a virtual trip to Japan... For the price of a Toto washlet, you know, and uh, yeah, those are eight thousand dollars. No, they're not. They're not that expensive. They're they're remarkably cost effective, and you can get them reboxed on Amazon for cheap. <laughs> reboxed. Yeah. You oh, might yeah. want to run, it through, your, you might want to run it through your dishwasher Look, first. There are a whole lot of people. I'm absolutely certain that there are a whole lot of people that went, "Wow, what a great gift idea!" Hooked it up, used it once, and went out of my house now. Yeah. Because it took them to a place in their world that they're not willing willing to no, admit that they Pence, live in yet. In Indiana, I, I, yeah. I'm going to assure you there are people that are uncomfortable with the idea of a jet of warm, delightful water. He cleaning your undercarriage. I'm not whatever, but it, he would need his wife to be with him using mm-hmm. him a day. Just he so they have to hold his hand. Hold yes, his hand. hold right. his hand right. to get through the experience. Right, because it is. So uh, tonight on toilet chat, <laughs> the uh, you know, I, I thought I left work at like three. <laughs> <laughs>
your job would be a lot easier if everyone had a bidet. Yeah. Steve, don't you want to chime in on this? I'm surprised he doesn't have one. Yeah. Yeah. Probably did a DIY thing with a power washer. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> a, or a DUI. A DUI. It could be a double DUI. So I was very interested today, as I was fucking about on the internet, to discover that Hertz, we all know Hertz, uh, oh, does, oh, Howard Hertz, the, Hertz is now renting motorcycles. Hmm. And uh, this is kind of cool. The, they're testing it in the American market. They've been doing it in Europe for a while now, and they're launching it in uh, Las Vegas, and they're launching it in Riverside, California, and Long Beach. And it's not that expensive. So we talked about... Uh, Austin and the guys from Twisted Road, we talked about rider share, and those mm-hmm. are basically other pe- renting motorcycles from other people. And this, on the other hand, is renting motorcycles uh, from a company that has a fleet of motorcycles. And so the numbers are pretty interesting. So if we said, for instance, uh, just for the sake of fun, we're going to say that we're flying into Vegas tomorrow morning, because you know when you rent a car, sometimes getting a last-minute booking can be expensive. So let's say we're going to get off our airplane at 10.30 in the morning, and we're going to return the bike on Sunday. We're just going to do a one-day rental. And uh, then we're going to, let's see here, I'll choose that guy. And we're going to return it in the afternoon. All right. Oh, they're closed. That office closed on Sunday. Oh, yes, we're going to have to return it on Monday. That could be a problem. All right, let's go. Let's see what the price of Matic says. Wait, don't, don't forget to redeem your voucher. Well, we're not going to even do the coupons, right? Okay, now they're going to give us a whole arsenal of motorcycles to choose. And I think that's freaking cool. That so cool. Uh, you can get everything from a BMW F700 to R1200 RTs, <laughs> R1200 GSs. Uh, you can get the K1600B, the Baga. You can get the uh, K1600G America, the GA. And you can get R9T Scrambler. Well, you know that this is available in Cleveland right now. No. So Sills motorcycles, which oh, you know okay. very well. Yeah, yeah. There's a thing called Eagle Rider. Eagle Rider, yeah. Okay. Right. So yeah, they're there you can get a, a BMW R twelve hundred GS. Okay. Let's one sixty nine a day. One sixty nine a day. Excellent. So let's see what uh, Hertz is gonna charge you. Okay. Let's see what Hertz charges you. They are charging you. Uh ta, ta, ta. oh, sorry, can't do that. <laughs> Just they're t- Zero. Yeah, I like zero, that. Five dollars, man. We got to go after that. I done it earlier. I don't know why it's. Uh, I don't know why it's happening to give me the zero price now. Did it already run them out? <laughs> Maybe it's not available. I don't know. It could. It could very well be. But I did practice one earlier. But I'm gonna. We're gonna pull up another one today on on the podcast just for. And these also go down. Like they're substantially cheaper if you do a week. Oh really? Yeah, it's almost That's like cool. thirty dollars a day less. Did you rent week. a BMW from Sills? Yeah. What it, and so it was about a buck sixty nine a day. Yeah, pretty rad. There, yeah. Pretty cool. And you know, Sills I think is the only Eagle Rider BMW rental joint oh. east of the Mississippi, I and they get right. people coming over yeah. from all over Europe. Yeah. Oh, just, well. just crashing them saying we we want to rent your BMWs because that's mm-hmm. what the Europeans want and, or the South Americans. Mm-hmm. So I went yeah. over there one time to rent a BMW last summer and they said, oh, well, we're completely booked for the whole summer. Oh, you just wanted like to try it for a day or something? Yeah, like? I was going to I was gonna ride out to, you know, this uh, strip club, but uh, <laughs> they said, no. Just give it a go, right? Yeah. So they do a nice little business yeah. with the BMWs as opposed to the other Eagle Rider joints that do Harleys. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. Which are, there's tons of those. Anyhow, go ahead. So there's the pricing for Hertz. 
I, That's I, nice. I, a little bit cheaper. 150 bucks a day? Yeah, I checked I checked one that wasn't cuz my problem is I had literally entered in like we were renting the bike in 3 hours. So it, that just wasn't enough notice. I like how they actually did reasonable like look, 300, 300 miles, miles a day. day. That's reasonable. That's very reasonable. Like you got to yeah. be a pretty serious person to mm-hmm. Although <laughs> because of Mike picking up your old mad ass. Yeah. I yeah. did read that you guys did 515 miles in one day on a mad ass. We made a mistake. So uh, <laughs> we had originally routed the trip that we were going to do 300 miles a day. Right. And we'd said that that was going to be our, our, our target mileage. But then when we had changed our trip and decided to, we weren't going to go on the southern route across Texas. Right. You're going to go Because we were going to go over the top. That added quite a distance to our trip and also snow. Yeah. And some weather issues. And... So it became more of a challenge because when we got to Grand Junction, Colorado, we got snowed in. And so we got snowed in. We had to make up for some lost time. And so the one day, yeah, the one day we did 400 and some odd miles. Yeah, yeah. whatever. And yeah, we did it in one day on a 125. So that day hurt. Yeah, that was a tough, that was a tough day. That was like 14 hours. you and James? Yeah, that was 14 hours in the saddle that day. So just a side note. Tough day. If you guys didn't hear about this. So remember Mike that came to the podcast a few times? Yeah. Something like that. He's still, he's just really busy with work. He's going to come back eventually. But like, so he was sitting there and he's like, I got a free bike. I'm like, what'd you get? He's like a madass. I said, interesting. Where'd you get it? And he said, he named the guy and it's 170 CC now with a fuel injection system on it yeah. and all this stuff. And it's yeah. twin pipes and all this stuff. And the guy gave it to him and then shows the title. So I, I go, hey, Phil. And I sent the, the whole list. I said, hey, look, Mike got this bike. It's Phil's bike. It's, it's my his old bike. bike. Yeah, PMC. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for real. And yep. that was the uh, that was our backup bike. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't our primary bike. That was the backup. So we had set the two bikes up basically the same. Minor differences between the two. And uh, when that guy came into our shop, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, he was pretty clear what he wanted. He'd had a fifty cc Mattis already, mm-hmm. and he was riding it in the winter. He put snow tires on it. God bless this guy. Mm-hmm. And so when he came in, I was like, well, I'll make you a screaming deal on a bike that's literally only been in the back of a minivan mm-hmm. and deployed when we got to Vegas to go drinking, when we got to Denver to go drinking, anywhere we needed to go on our, each on our right, own bikes. My, yeah, right. We deployed the emergency bike. And so it really didn't cover any miles at all. And then I rode it around a little bit in town. But, you know, that was the one. That one had a factory mad-ass motor in it. That one didn't have a piranha in it. Mm-hmm. That one just had a regular motor in it. So, But that was our emergency bike. Yeah, that was well, now it has 177 cc With CCs. a fuel injector. Yeah, but yeah. apparently you guys used up all the sparks because it's not sparking anymore. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Well, I, He's working on that. Yeah, well, it has a fuel injector, yeah, so there's yeah. other things involved, too. <laughs> right. So it's, it's no longer just, well, you know, yeah, yeah. it could be the coil. Right. Yeah, yeah no, it's not that. <laughs> yeah. The... Uh, but it's funny how small this place is that that bike comes back into the fold. It is really weird, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a very very interesting thing that uh, that that bike we strangely enough sometimes bikes come full circle. Yeah. And when you think about that was 2009, so it's 11 years later. Mm-hmm. That bike, which had disappeared, and then fell in the hands of somebody who was. Loved it enough and was insane enough to put a fuel injector on it. Right, and the, and here's the really the, the the caveat to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The only reason I knew it had anything to do with you yeah. is because Mike, for some reason, sent me a picture of the title too. <laughs> because like I wouldn't have known it was just another madass whatever. Yeah. But then he said the title, and right on the bottom was Pride of Cleveland. You know, Pride of Cleveland scooters. Phil yeah. Waters, the whole thing. I was like, holy shit, it's Phil's bike. Like, it's what we did. Yeah. I mean, that was not even like not joking. We did. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. Like that—that that is the understatement of the century. Is to say that we had a lot of fun with it. But 
Yeah, that's uh, if you look good, if you look long and hard enough on the internet, you can still see pictures of the, the doctor. We had a website called Dr. Madass. Oh, I looked it up. Yeah, and oh, Dr. Yeah. Madass was uh, that was a thing. That the, was real. The Wayback Machine still has three. Three screen grabs of the website. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> you guys are delivering something to somebody at one point, and what it's, it's very it's, again the the whole thing is that was an, that was one of those adventures where we always say if there's a company that has a new product out there, mm-hmm. one of the best ways they can prove their product isn't garbage is to find an idiot to drive it cross country. Well, I think that's where the original article came from. Was the person that was distributing the bikes, whoever mm-hmm. that was. He was like this crazy guy that I've known for years. Phil and James asked me to, you know, they would do the ride if I gave them the bikes, and I said, yeah. "Hell yeah!" Yeah, something. I yeah. was out there. I was out there demoing the products in Atlanta, Georgia. I was riding. He's got those cool little Honda Dream ninety uh, sport bikes with the oh, so bad, Dream so badass Dream fifty R's, yeah, Dream fifty R's, and I was riding those around, and we were just kind of having a good time. And he's a big guy, and I'm not a little guy. And Renee was with us, and we're just kind of farting around in these bikes. And I said, you know what you got to do? You got to like, you got to have a media event. You got to get people's attention. Right. I was like, if only you could find an idiot to drive these things cross country. And he's like, <laughs> boy, if only I could find an idiot to drive these things cross country. Huh. <laughs> Almost as though if I just paid somebody to fly down here from Cleveland and just bought them dinner and tiki drinks. Yeah. If only I could find an idiot to ride that these things cross country. <laughs> and I was like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. So it did work. And these idiots drove these things cross country. And it was so much fun uh, when James wasn't sick. The, uh, at the time James was sick, it was not fun at all. It didn't Totally fucking unfun when he was ill. Yeah. Anybody else got any fun stuff? <laughs> bring, to bring up or you'd be reading a fucking 125 across America and wants to live to regret, regret to tell about it it was oh man the uh, I'm just going to do that right through you just yeah. exactly vicariously through that one again when we came back off that thing I would I just made it very clear I was like we don't ever need to do that again yeah we counted our money we returned the rental van and we said that never needs to happen again. But, the, but it's happening this summer with a bunch of idiots on monkeys uh, and uh, super. Yeah, what's yes. up with that, Mr. Smith? Are you doing it? <laughs> well, um, I want to do it, but I gotta, I gotta borrow somebody's monkey for about three hundred miles. To I see think you need to rent ass, a monkey. I gotta, I gotta rent one or take one out for a while and see if I become a cripple after <laughs> eight hours. Because if I do, it's like fuck that. I'm not gonna do it, but. If I can survive it, I would definitely do it. I mean, so. I think that that bike is comfortable enough. The problem with what we were riding is it's called a madass for fuck's sake. I mean, it's it's literally it's in the name. It's a that thing had the, the worst seat, seat ever. It's awful. ever. It was just the garbage. seat was like this and rock hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. it thrust you into the hand. I mean, it was cool and everything in a mountain bike kind of way. Yeah, but the seat just was wrong. I still have one of them. I have the cross country bike in my garage at home, and I we've joked about many times like we should resurrect that. We should bring it back out and just set it up the way we had it for the cross country run. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, and do what? <laughs> Nobody wants. Shelf. Let, I was let literally let just it. hang it on the fucking wall yeah. because they're terrible to ride. I mean, they're 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 not good. Uh, it's one of the few motorcycles in the world that you look at it and you're like, that looks terrible. And then I mean, you sit on it and realize <laughs> that looking at it wasn't enough. Yeah, that thing should have terrible. knobbies on it. Yeah, and that uh, should be a mid Ohio ride. That's like it. It definitely is like a CT110 kind of yeah ish bike. Yeah, not of. fun. Not not like not the kind of thing where you're like, this thing's a blast. Because it does. It puts your weight in the wrong place. CT-110 is way better than... CT-110 is way better. And I would, you know what? I would ride a CT-110 across America. 
But the Mattis, that was a bad idea. I mean, that really was a bad idea. Uh, there's but that's what you've built your career on, correct? What? Bad ideas. Yes. Fucking, fucking <laughs> and yet another another float in the Phil Waters parade of bad ideas. That's all we do. And there's in in retrospect, I mean, there's there's a madass for you, just so people can see what they look like. Yeah, they're fucking awful. Uh, you know, it's it is what it is. It's a it's a ridiculous thing. Do they still it sucks. exist? I mean, are they? Can you still buy a new Madass? I don't Wait, think so. Why so, are they showing a, a Honda like C ninety? Word search, man. Yeah, word search. Modern Vespa. Because there's this, there's probably a modern Vespa ad article that says the word Madass one twenty five, and then somebody with a brain in their head says, "Why don't you buy the Honda fucking Cub instead and save yourself uh, death by hemorrhoids?" So the stock motor. Yeah. Was it made by Saks or Socks or was it's, it? It was like one of those it made had of Saks on the case. I was going to say it's probably made of lithonium or something. You know, okay. it's yeah, yeah. None of it was actually made in Austria or you know Germany. Steve Hoffert needs one of those though. Yeah. Well, I have no desire <laughs> to have one of those. But the one that actually did get my attention, and and we all kind of were like, "Hey, That's what I want right there." You know, what's that? Oh, that's your adventure. Uh, I sent you a link. The only one that was in the United States for sale for seventy five hundred bucks. I never got it. Oh, 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 you oh, did oh, oh, oh. no. This dude really? Bought, this dude bought one in France. Let's see it. And and he had the title and everything. And then he moved to Florida. And so they they allowed him to title the bike in Florida. And then he drove around and decided that he didn't want it. And he had it on Adventure Rider for seventy five hundred bucks. It had thirty seven hundred miles on it. It was the uh, you know the Adventure seven hundred X scooter, whatever. Yeah, and I those were I, I sent everybody yeah, on the list. I didn't see it. Oh, I don't and, get half the messages because if there's more than eleven people in an MMS, it cuts. It off. It just cuts the, it off, right? Uh, for you, yeah. The uh, the one thing that the one bike that was interesting, the only the high water mark I'll say of the entire experiment that was the Sox Madass was a piece of shenanigans that they built for one of the motorcycle shows. And this is the 500cc Sox Madass. And if you look between the frame rails where there should normally be a gas tank, because the frame rails are the gas tank, you'll see the head of a motor. And some people will recognize that motor, um, some people more than others. Is that what I think it is? John? Is that a Royal Enfield That motor? is a fucking That's Royal Enfield motor. So some maniac in Europe said, we need a weirdo prototype. So the, the blonde in the background is sitting on a Mad-Ass 50 or Mad-Ass 125. <clears throat> but in the, like, someday, if you're good, we'll produce <laughs> this. Is a Mad-Ass one of a kind, never seen it again, with a crazy Aprilius, like, weird... Aprilia Vaporware sport bike seat on it. No oh, gas seat tank. Is really bizarre. Yeah, it's remember those weirdo Aprilia's Dickin or something. Yeah, well, it's got a <laughs> slot in it. And so the whole concept of this bike is slots, and you're going to see it's a twin tip exhaust put on, installed on the vertical above the rear frame rails, and it's just the the bike is just a again a litany of bad ideas. And it's like two madass frames, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. yeah. There's but there's it's hollow in the middle. There's a filler cap in front of the heads of the motorcycle so that like you could literally look down and do a valve adjustment. Uh, <laughs> well, there's something about that. But the, what sucked about it is they didn't even have the common courtesy to use what would have been available then, which would have been the unit constructed engine um, fuel injected Royal Enfield motor. This is an old 
iron barrel or what was eventually an AVL motor. So this is a 500cc, probably 13 horsepower um, Royal Enfield motor, purely just to be something in the shape of a motor. And they got Jixer front wheel, back wheel, yeah, and forks yeah. on the thing. Yes, exactly. So that was the Madass 500 prototype. And uh, when images of this popped out in 2007 or 2008, the motorcycle and scooter community lost their collective shit. I mean, this thing was fucking weird. <laughs> and, of course, everyone's like, oh, my God, it's going to be a, a combination between the folks at Sox and the folks at Royal Enfield. Like, that was ever going to work. <laughs> and no, it, it wasn't. It was a one-off. It was purely, you know, booth fodder. It was just meant to go in there and get people's booth attention. Fodder. Yeah, just garbage. I like that. Yeah. That's, and, <clears throat> and every year you go to the motorcycle show and somebody pulls out some shit like that. And you're like, yeah, we're never going to see that. That's that's never going to happen. And thank Take God. Take a picture right now. Of? Whatever it is. Yeah. You're never going to see You're it never going to see it again. And that's probably the only known photograph that managed to survive, you know, 19 different people's uh, computers getting viruses from looking at child porn. And this is the one picture that survived of all. Because you'd have to be a pedophile to think that's a good idea. That's a fucking bad idea. It's a terrible idea. And I don't. And looking at it now, I just don't even think you could turn the handlebars left and right without. Yeah. yeah right. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Yeah. There, it just seems to be they have like a 15 degree turn. Not even. I, right. Yeah. So, again, another, you know, weird fucking vaporware. Well, at least this is art. So, yeah, I. Take the madass out of the garage. And they painted it. Hang it up on the wall. Yeah. yeah Never have well, to do anything with it. Yeah. And the worst part is they painted like gray matte, like yeah. clay. Yeah. Looking. It, it's it's very I like the color, but very weird. I like. I like the split um, frame too. Yeah, I mean it's a very artistic. It's a very interesting exercise of art. I, I loved that part about it. But then when you start looking at art, and you start going, wait a second, you Did know, should put a Ducati. V-twin. Yes, that you been put cool. a Ducati V-twin in there, it would have looked fantastic. Yeah. Or just a Suzuki Savage motor, just an LS650, one longer, 650, sticking up through there. It would have been badass. Did anybody ever would tell you ran. in all your dealings with all these yeah. people why they called it the madass? Because somebody wrote it. <laughs> really? It probably had a name like the, you know, it probably had a, a normal Sox name, like, you know, an RT100 or, or yeah, right. you know, a, you know a, a PS125. Right. And then somebody wrote it. And they got off, and they were like, oh, "Man, my ass is mad." Yeah, I mean, they probably had a long list of expletives. Yeah, and they were just like, "Can't call it that. Can't call a bike the Hemroid 400." <laughs> so we got to come up with something. So I'll bet you somebody was like, "Well, let's be honest. Yeah, can we ass. can we call it the God? This hurts my fucking taint. The weeping anal. Source. The weeping anal. <laughs> but mad ass." literally goes down in history as being one of the most appropriate names for any motorcycle ever. Well done. So as much as we bust balls, if you didn't see that one coming, right. like we joke about the Chinese scooter we're going to have made for 200 bucks a piece called the caveat emptor. The, uh, <laughs> the, the whole idea of the Mad-Ass 125, that shit was hitting you right where you live, yeah. man. So, Sicer. Ooh. Yep. Sicer, baby, Sicer. So, Mr. Smith, what is the Sicer? Can you tell us? But did you make this or what is this? Made it. Yep, it's a uh, it's a basis of uh, apple cider mm-hmm. uh, off the press. Uh, Ten pounds of uh, honey. Uh, I think it's wildflower honey, and then uh, champagne yeast. Generally, takes about thirty to forty days to completely ferment out. 
and that that's, that's a primary fermentation that I leave in the secondary almost a year. And so wow. this is this is probably about two years old. Damn, it's tasty. Thank you very much. It is, it does have that that unique drinkable quality that that likes to say, if this was in a larger quantity, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have any problem making it go away, right? No, no, I mean no, that's no. that's dangerous. That, that's that's and, a real deal. And we have quantity. Mm-hmm. This is true. So when you brew that, how big of a brew are you doing? Uh, I get five gallons of uh, cider. Okay. And then I get 10 pounds of uh, the honey. And uh, once you put the honey in, it completely drops down to the bottom of your mm-hmm. glass carboy fermenter. I use a six-gallon fermenter. And you put an airlock on the top. You throw your champagne yeast in, put your airlock on there, and it just cooks away for 30 days. It eats through the all the, the honey sugar. Yeah, the sugar down yep. the bottom. So that gives you about... Um, I don't know. Alcohol by volume, I think, is but I would think it would be 12 to 13 percent. Yeah, 12, 13. Sometimes it gets up to 68 percent, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, then then you can yeah. clean your hands with it. Yeah. And, right. Yeah, kill coronavirus. That kill coronavirus. Sound, that doesn't That's sound exactly drinkable right. at that yeah. point. No, he's right. It's anywhere between 10 and 12. So it's like a wine. It's like a glass of wine or yeah, something. Yeah, and it's still it's not um, it's not effervescent at all. No. So. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, so I've got 38 gallons of this at home. What? Do you really have 38 gallons of this? No. no. Oh, my Jesus Christ. <laughs> I totally bought into it because I was Me like, well, he's going to go to the trouble. If he's going to go to the trouble of making it, hey, he's hey, probably hey, going to hey, make a hey, bunch hey. of it. Don't yeah. crack on the Fez, baby. Yeah, totally crack on that Fez. The, uh, it's, that is really, I mean, when I was drinking it, I was like, oh, you know, he's got a reasonable quantity of it. But then when I'm like, 38 gallons for fuck's Well, I got sake. a shitload of it at home. My and Mrs. God, Smith man. Said, Take some of that stuff to the podcast. And <laughs> we'll do. Like she said, stuff. Come on. Yeah, yeah that's stuff. Well, I'm cleaning it up for the podcast. Uh-huh. She's just itching to cut the grass. She's <laughs> <laughs> getting nervous. You know, She's out there know, every night <laughs> sharpening her blades. The, measuring the yep. blades. That's yeah, it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the game. She's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one, of our, one of our podcast listeners, no, a podcast participant, came up with a really good question um, about a tech question. And what he's, uh, what Chris has come up with is basically. (laughs) (laughs) Went from participant to Chris. Right. Well, tuning fuel-injected bikes. I mean, we all know the games with carbureted bikes. We could write books on the bad decisions involved with carburetor tuning Mm -hmm. and listening to one guy but going out and buying a bunch of jets, realizing that that means nothing and that you've just fucked yourself into a corner really bad. There was a thing today yeah. on uh, the Japanese um, you know, vintage forum yeah. where this guy's trying to do a CB750, but he's, he's running no airbox right. and just the pads. And the amount of, of, of different opinions right. on what to do to get the bike run without mm-hmm. the actual airbox. Without the airbox, yeah. Went from like, fuck you, you'll never do it, right. put the airbox back on mm-hmm. it. To I have done this and have five thousand horsepower, and right. it's insane oh, yeah. how many different opinions people have on this. And and we've heard that too. I mean, I've got people that I know that have a bike that have CV carbs and have little baby pod filters or worse, and they run. You know, I'm not saying it's not possible to make it run. I'm saying that it's very unlikely. Right. You know, or right. extremely difficult when you take vacuum away from a vacuum operated carburetor. Right. 
You know, when the only thing that makes the carburetor open and close is vacuum, right. and you remove the source of vacuum, yeah. it's probably not going to work real great. But it's amazing how many yeah. different opinions there are sure. on all of that. Yeah. And it's probably going to be like no vacuum, no vacuum, no vacuum, all the vacuum in the world. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, it's yeah. differential vacuum. Exactly. You lose your differential vacuum. Right. So, as, as long as you've got that, it works. But so the solution everybody says is obviously fuel injection. But yeah, thank you, thank you, Chris. Um, <laughs> but Chris brought up an interesting question. Your question was uh, about the stock ECUs, like correct? Yeah, yeah. So, so people are are starting to flash a lot of their ECUs. So my question is, well, what's the matter with the stock ECU that comes out of the, the plant or the dealership? Or well, in like some that? states, flashing an ECU is illegal, and exposing any part really? of your body to the public is illegal. <laughs> but I think the I think the the main problem with the stock ECU is that it's lean. Exactly. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're set up to... But you could fool around with that. Help prevent well, yeah. global but, warming. But, there's, but no, but there's also... <laughs> but ECUs are so advanced now, there's also crazy stuff that you can do. So, like, I haven't done it yet, but it's one of the things I want to do for my S10, is that um, the touring mode on my bike is so lethargic that it's almost hard to ride. Sport mode is so choppy that it's ridiculous. Like, you can't ride in traffic in sport mode. It drives you crazy. So the guys have flashed the ECUs, which makes touring mode very usable, and then sport mode very peppy. They've also, during that flash, um, lowered the fan uh, on point to 212 Celsius mm. instead of, like, 240 or something like that. So like they're they're keeping the motor cooler, they're hmm. adding like drivability, whatever. So these guys are doing it's like two hundred bucks to get your ECU flash, but apparently it really turns the bike into a very manageable, nice bike compared to what it is now. So I mean there are benefits to I guess some some ECUs getting flashed. So the basics, let's just start for the cheap seats. ECU is simply an electronics control module. ECU, ECM, electronic control unit. It's a box, usually similar to the size of a pack of cigarettes. And you're gonna have a couple of different boxes in your motorcycle that have a bunch of wires going into them. Right. The one that has the most wires going into it is going to be your ECU. Mm -hmm. Okay. And basically that is the computer brain of the motorcycle. So for years, there's been a couple of different techniques for getting the motorcycle to do things you want it to do that are different than the original factory programming. And for the longest time, the answer was buy a power commander. And a power commander was just a device that took all the incoming data streams, so to run a fuel-injected motorcycle, and hell, to run a 80s carbureted motorcycle, you had a, some information coming in regarding the timing of the motor, the crank position. You had, sometimes they have a, a manifold pressure sensor, and the idea was you would get in the way of that signal, and then you would lie. So you'd have a device that said, this is the signal coming in, <laughs> I'm going to take that signal, I'm going to modify that signal to make the spark of the motorcycle happen earlier or later. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take that signal, I'm going to modify it to make the motorcycle run richer or leaner. Okay, I'm going to change the way the motorcycle runs by interpreting a diagnostic device that's out in the motorcycle and changing the numbers that come in off of it. And that's what Power Commander made all their money on. You know, this was a whole this is a whole school of thought is just tricking a computer by altering the data stream. And the numbers come in, they just get fucked with. Mm -hmm. And so you put it in and then Power Commander made tons of fucking money doing this. And you didn't have a bike, you didn't have a tuned bike, you didn't have a bike that was running right. 
unless you put a power commander on it. And I would add that they worked fantastic. I mean, Absolutely. We did them in some scooters and stuff. Yep. And you play around a little bit. They generally gave you a guideline on how you set it up. There's, you know, five different five different positions from idle to full throttle. Right. And each each light you're doing with a series of LED lights. And mm -hmm. you, you play around and toggle through everything. And, the, you know, they even had a chart that would say, you have a Leo Vinci pipe. Yep. You have this, this, this. This yep. is probably what you want to do. I mean, and you would... It, it wasn't just something like, oh, I think it made a difference. No, it made a big difference. Big right? difference. But yeah. at the same time, like with, when they got to the point where hooking your computer up to them and stuff, they if you followed their mapping and stuff, it was great. But if you really didn't know what you were doing, you could really fuck your bike up, too, mm. like pretty quickly. Oh, lean it way out by yeah. accident. Yeah, yeah. And you, know, you would tell the company, you would basically order these things, and you'd specify what bike you had. And then they would send you the one, that the box for that. And then some of them would have a little USB cable that you hook up to your laptop. Yeah, yeah. And then you'd download the program, and you could have all these different channels of information you could fuck with and tweak. Other ones, like John said, would just have a little pot. There'd be a little it looked like dip a credit switch. card. It was right. a credit card. Yeah. That you'd stick with Velcro on the inside of your yeah. bike. Yeah. And you'd pull it off, and you hit, you know, set. And then you had all these little things, and, you yeah. could, and they could be... They could be uh, could green, yellow, or red, yep. and yep. you had five different ones, and it was you know depending on how you set those up. That's yep. probably a safer way to do it compared to like, because the, there you go. The nerds who'd set it up, and it, said, I'm sure it would only yeah. add fuel. Yes, uh, the only absolutely. the only where place where it leaned it out is was on D cell. So right. what they did was on a normal fuel injected bike, it was still giving it fuel, and it would make it pop and stuff like right. when you come off the highway. Mm -hmm. They cut all fuel on deceleration mm -hmm. at close until yeah. it, until it reached idle. Yeah, and. Yeah. These things would go between 200 and 600, 700 bucks, depending on what it was. And so they were all things that you left your ECU that the factory put in the bike. You just leave that in there. You don't fuck with it. And you would just take the plug that came into it and you'd put this in between. This it was went just between an the, the fuel injector yep. and the thing. You'd unplug the plug from you the fuel it. injector, yeah. plug this into it, and then plug it into it. So it was. Whatever came out of the bike, it went through that and said, right. no, I'm going to add a little bit more here and there. Right. And it's just a system of altering data. Mm -hmm. So that was, I'm just going to call that basically generation one. And the first power commanders that came out, you would buy them based on your make and model of your bike and based on what kind of pipe you were going to put on or what your, what your performance gains were or what you wanted them to be. And you would tell these companies what you wanted they would mail you a little mystery black box that you had no idea what the fuck it would do or mm. what was in it, and you simply unplugged the wiring harness from your CDI or your capacitive discharge ignition, and then later to your ECU, and you'd just plug this fucker in. And even on the old bikes where they were working on a capacitive discharge ignition instead of points. So in lieu of mechanical points, you had a preset computer, a very primitive computer, that would simply say, at this RPM, we're going to advance or retard the spark this much. 2,000 RPM. Exactly. We advance it. Exactly. And what this would do is this would get in the way, and it would change that so that it would alter the spark timing. And it was the dumbest little device that you could buy, and yet it worked so well because the factory CDIs were all set up for EPA compliance. They were all set up to make these bikes run what we would deem to be unhealthy lean numbers wheezy very wheezy very <laughs> fucking anemic and it would be like in the old days where we would drill out the plug on the side of our carburetor and get the air fuel mixture set more correctly as the baseline to make a bike run right we couldn't do that anymore because this 
combination of a completely restricted carburetor and a completely restricted CDI, we couldn't get the performance we wanted to. And manufacturers figured that out and figured out a way to bypass that. So that was the very primitive first ever generation of what they would call electronic ignition tuning through the use of additional accessory devices. So moving forward. Right. So now what happens is as companies take their computer and say, well, this computer now is a dynamic computer. It's a thinking computer. It's an adaptive computer. It can take some signals like whether you're running 87-octane gas or 93-octane gas, and it can determine that based on these exhaust gas temperature sensors and lambda sensors, which test that detect the change in your air-fuel ratio as the engine becomes warmer. And it can take these data streams and go, oh, I'm going to adjust it this much, your spark timing, or I'm going to adjust how long your fuel injector is on per, the, per shot to compensate for this cold engine running condition or to compensate for the high altitude or compensate for the 93-octane gas you put in here. So the computers have the ability to do that. Well, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. However, the first generation of computers, they were set very much from the factory, and they only had very narrow windows that they could operate within that the manufacturers would set in the computer to say, I'm going to let it change it this much, you know, a few oh, degrees here and a few degrees there. But the computer was a solid-state computer. You couldn't reprogram it yourself. So the solution was, did you buy a interface, an expensive interface, thousands of dollars, to go between. that you could then plug the, your computer into it and sit there and dick around having no knowledge of what the fuck you're doing except for idiot, you know, idiots on the internet telling you, well, you should jack this up and jack that up. And what you end up doing is jacking it all up. So services were started like Rexer, and I got Rexer pulled up on the screen because, yeah, you can see there's a device in the middle of the screen called the Rexer Professional, and that's the interface box. That's the graphic user interface that you'd hold in your hands, and then based on what cable you bought to go, as you can see, a a Triumph serial cable for a a Triumph that's equipped with a key-in fuel injector, that's $129 for the fucking cable. And if you got a KTM, you need a $139 cable. If you got a Magneti Morelli, that's going to be $329 for that cable, <laughs> right? <Ducati. laughs> you got it, baby. Yep. And so as you can see, you need some components. You don't just buy a magic computer. Now you have to have a way to get the data from the magic computer into your particular motorcycle. Now, this Rexer Professional unit in the top center, that will work on a great number of motorcycles. It really will. It will work on 40 or 50 different models of bikes. But you do need to have a myriad of cables so that that box can talk to your bikes because there is no OBD2 standard with motorcycles as such. What I have now, I thought that was supposed to be yes. standardized. A few, a few years, years ago, ago, on this podcast, we said that there was a mandate coming out that was going to state that motorcycle manufacturers were going to have to, as a right-to-repair issue, they were going to have to build out bikes to OBD2 standards. We lied. Well, our Zeros have it. Our Zero SRS and Zero SRF, they have an OBD2 port built right into the 
fucking oh. bike. <laughs> One that has no motor like this. And it doesn't have a gas motor for fuck's sake, right? <laughs> so as hilarious as that is, is you can take your scanner right. from Harbor Freight and you can plug it into a fucking zero and it will show you all kinds of data that does actually appear, appear in the, you know, right. the, 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 heat, the heated catalyst, the EVAP, <laughs> and all that. I think we're getting a P112 code on this one, yeah, Johnny. Your O2 sensors. Your O2 sensors are, bad, are fucked. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. And so people who speak OBD2, they know what each one of the P codes means and what it relates to. Well, they didn't do that with motorcycles. Catalyst so you have to buy these efficiency. very... What's that? The worst one you get is Catalyst Below Efficiency. Catalyst Below Efficiency. That's the most expensive one you can get. That's a $700 code, for fuck's sake. What's well, P402? I think it's P402, yeah. yeah. I can't remember. Catalyst but Below yeah. Efficiency. So there are devices you can buy, so you can get programs for your computer that you can put an app in your computer or a little program and then buy a cable that goes from your computer to your motorcycle. Also, there's proprietary ones. So if you're a Ducati dealership, you'll have you'll pay a license fee every year to get access to their updated programs so you can service Ducatis. BMW, they all have their own. And that's where it's a problem, right? Because it costs a lot of money to get those programs. The licensing fees are astronomical. Now, you get into these guys who are basically building their own universal interfaces. So they can work with a lot of different bikes. You just have to have the cables. But then these manufacturers will fuck this shit around every once in a while. They'll rewrite the program or put a little trap door or a lock on their program to keep you from fucking with it. So maybe you just like, I don't want to fuck with my shit. I'm, I'm stupid. I just want to put this shit in a box and mail it to somebody and let them do it. Well, as luck would have it, all these companies have a service where you can just mail your shit in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Rexer is one that we've used for a while. And with Rexer, you basically contact them. You tell them how you want the bike to be. You tell them any mods you've made to the bike. You tell them what kind of gas you want to run it on. You put the ECU in a box. You overnight that some bitch to them, you know, in, you know, wherever, whatever company you want to use. I'm not telling people they have to use Rexer. Rexer is one that we've had good luck with. They'll reflash your ECU, which means what they're going to do is the term flash refers to the type of memory that's in the box. Mm-hmm. So you have this flash memory, which is a permanent memory that even if you take all the power away from the device, the memory survives. And the memory, the bike comes with a certain amount of flash memory. And then there's a whole bunch of memory that it can learn things. Adap- it's called adaptive parameters mm-hmm. memory. The base memory is EEPROM. EEPROM, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's so, like that with our radios. We have Each radio has a flash code. That's, <coughs> that's the flash. That's the core program. Then you have your right? firmware, yep. which is that's, that's like sort of the operating system. Yep, and that's built in. Then you have your in. template. So, then, mm-hmm. so the template is all the little changes. The and shit settings, you can change. All the shit you can change and settings yep. you can do. Now, most modern motorcycles will have what's called an adaptive parameters electronic control unit or adaptive parameters computer. And that means that the day you get your motorcycle and the day you turn the bike on the first time, it picks up things about how you operate the motorcycle, how you ride the motorcycle, what your conditions are, where you live, and it will optimize the balance of that bike to work in your conditions. Because worldwide, different elevations, different parts of the planet, different types of fuel, and different rider performance. Where we get problems is, let's just say you took your ECU out, and you've got a company like Rexer here, and you mailed your ECU into Rexer. They charged you 300 bucks or 400 bucks. 
they put this mother beautiful programming into it that makes the bike run beautiful. It doesn't stall at lights. It doesn't, sn- you know, fart, sniff, or wheeze. And it runs just the way you want it to run. You go ahead and you put this thing back in your bike. And, I mean, it's not technically hard to do. It is literally find ECU, remove the two bolts that hold the ECU in if it has them, unplug it, and then plug it back in when they're done. So your life is good. And you're going on for the next year, riding your bike, having a great time. Then you take it to the dealership to get an oil change. Uh-oh. And in the process of getting an oil change, the dealer wants to be a nice guy and says, oh, shit, did you notice that Chris's bike came in? Yeah. Well, it hasn't been in for over a year. Yeah, you're right. There's been some ECU updates. The, uh. the manufacturer has gone from version one to version two or three or four or five or six because when motorcycles get launched into the general public, they're really not proven out that much yet. Right. They don't do two or three years of testing on bikes. They do it in a computer. Go ahead, Steve. I'll tell you a story about ECU programming. Yeah. I bought a Honda Civic uh, hybrid with a mm-hmm. stick yeah. in 2005. I was getting 69 miles to a gallon with it. Woohoo! And I read that that uh, the dealer wanted to reflash all the ECUs yeah. on that car. Right. Because I think it was getting too good of a Probably was mileage. getting much too good a mileage, yeah. So every time I took it in, I stood right by the car. I'm like, do not flash the right. ECU. They're like, well, we, have, we, have a, we have to flash your ECU. I'm like, do not flash my ECU. Tell do them not. you did, but don't so, do it. So I had it for like three years. They didn't flash the ECU. Right. One time I took it in, mm-hmm. like, and I don't know, I got sidetracked or something, yep. and they flashed the ECU. Right. 40 miles to a gallon. See? Went right from 60, wow. like in the 60s, yeah. to 40 miles to a gallon. And I sold the car because I was so pissed off. Because it broke your heart, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, why, why wouldn't they want a car to get 69 miles to a I mean. What do they care? They're not selling gas. Right. right. But I'm just saying the thing right. got 69. I mean, I have pictures of the speedometer. And I can assure you that the dealership doesn't give a fuck. No. Okay. But the manufacturer says part of this campaign is that we need proof that all the VINs got ECU flashed, that all of them have been updated. And I've been through that with many manufacturers, and here's exactly what will happen. The bike comes out. You're lucky enough to go out and buy the very first of the new you know, KTM Duke and Duchess 125 or whatever the fuck it is, right? And so you buy the first one or the first generation of the ones, and you get out and you ride the bike around, and you're like, this thing's pretty kick-ass. I really like it. I'm really enjoying this bike. You do notice, though, that the weirdest thing is, like, just after you take it for a honk on the freeway, when you pull up to a red light at the end of the off-ramp, it stutters, farts, and stalls. Starts back up no problem at all, but that's what it does every time the bike's heated up, is it comes down to the end of the off-ramp, stutters, farts, and stalls. You take it to your dealer and say, I love the bike, but it stutters, farts, and stalls. And the dealer goes, well, we've never heard of that before. It's usually a lie, but in the case that it might not be, maybe you do have the first one and maybe he hasn't sold any more of those. So then you check the international forum for Duke and Duchess owners and you realize that, in fact, a lot of people are having that problem. Well, then what will happen is at some point, somebody on the forum will mention, well, I took mine to my dealer and he reflashed my ECU. Or they see that it's a problem they put out a TSB on yeah, it. Yeah, so. but it's, with some of the brands I've carried, it's been totally common to have 
nine or ten different versions come out in the first year. But, but why are TSBs so secretive? Because they don't want them to turn into recalls. Because a TSB is not free, but it's damn close to free. That's a technical service bulletin. For the cost of a sheet of paper or an email to your dealers, you can head off a recall or a class action lawsuit. So because right, you're, you're fixing it all. If I tell you that every brake rotor that was ever installed on an FZR08 might not have been torqued down to 26 pounds feet, right? But we're not sure. Well, we don't want these rotors coming off and creating, you know, dead daddy, right? <laughs> we don't want to have to look at every rotor in the whole world, We don't want to so. start a campaign. So what we do instead is we put out an email that goes out to every dealer in America that says, hey, according to your records, you've done warranty registration on 10 FZ08s or FZR08s. So here's your job now. I'm not going to let you make a single warranty claim on any of these bikes until you certify that you had that bike in and that you torqued those down and put a dab of blue Loctite on them. And once you go back into the computer and say, okay, Mr. Yamaha dealer, Yamaha distributor, I did that. Mary Rotten Crotch's FZ08 has officially been torqued to spec. I've entered in it, and now it's been done. So now the manufacturer can say with a high degree of certainty, the problem has been addressed. Now, if Mary Rotten Crotch sues you five years from now because her rear rotor came off, the factory, the manufacturer can say, we exercised our due diligence and we did everything in our power. It's an isolated incident. Now, if the dealer fucks up and the dealer's like, you know what, that's bullshit. John, don't do the work. Just fill out the sheet. Go back to the computer and punch it up like you did it. We'll take the $15 that they're going to pay us to do the job. And we'll take the extra five Torx bits they sent us and a little vial of blue Loctite and we'll put it in the back. That dealers do that shit. Dealers right. fail to do, and that's on the dealer, right? And then that attorney then would have to go after the dealer as opposed to going after the deep-pocketed manufacturer. So that's a TSB, the technical service bulletins. We get all kinds of them. I mean, that's it. With, with the electric bikes, do you ever see something like this happen? So like with the drones that I use for work and stuff occasionally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they'll be like, you know, needs a firmware update. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and you won't fly without doing it. Correct. So I go and I, pl- I plug in the whatever, and then it, not only is it updating the firmware, right. but it's it's actually enabling like geofences where sure, I can no longer fly and stuff. Absolutely. Right? So with a lot of the electric bikes now that they're being Wi-Fi yep. enabled and stuff, do you think that like updates are also going to like uh, is it going to be mandatory stuff or like you can't like like say like somehow they they limit speed to seventy? Ask anybody who owns a modern John Deere tractor. And That's if you, a whole different it's story. It's a whole different ball of wax. Honest to God. Yeah, yeah I was reading about that It's a today. big deal, and you can Google that shit. I'm not going to get into it. But, you know, the right to repair, the ability for a human being to keep the shit that they own on the road mm-hmm. without that being fucked with, that they own and they own outright. $600,000. Yeah. They're yeah. not allowed to fix their own fucking tractor. With, and that's going on in Nebraska right now. Going on everywhere. Wow. With, with motorcycles, here's what I can tell you from my experience. If your motorcycle is running the way you want it to run, and your dealer tells you, hey, by the way, we got a firmware update. Don't take it. Fuck Imagine me. if you're in one of the Volkswagens that has the, the whole diesel The TDI thing. thing, yeah. Yeah, as soon as you take it to a dealership, they're going to... So our policy was, when, this, when we were new at it, when we were new at this, every time a customer's bike would come in, didn't matter, we would always plug it into the computer, the diagnostic computer for that manufacturer, and we would check to see if there was a new version of the firmware. 
and we would check, and if there was, we would automatically install it. Mm. And the problem with that was, that was the new version of the firmware. We knew the old one was working. The guy rode his bike here. Right. But then sometimes we would discover bit bugs and glitches in the new firm, the new uh, new version, and we could have all kinds of problems. Yeah, so Oops. All the time with radios. Exactly. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to update you. Give us the first entity. You put it in, you're like, oh, this doesn't work. And you're like, oh, please. And the worst is when it won't let you. do another radio, and then the same thing happens. And you're like, and there's a problem with this. And when problem. they won't let you downgrade to the other That's, firmware. You cannot. This is oh. what I'm going to tell you guys. When the motorcycle industry, if you're running version 7.6, if you don't have version 7.5, protected in your computer, which means in some cases, make sure your Wi-Fi is not turned on. Right. Right? If you don't have that thing under lock and key, change the file name kind of thing mm-hmm. so that their their soft diagnostic software can't go in and find the file and update it as part of their automatic BIOS update. Well, that's kind of my question to you. Yeah. Do you think that electric bikes are going to try to bypass that and just always update themselves? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Not not just maybe. Again, ask anybody with a John Deere tractor. Right. Right. Um, so many of these vehicles now, they have got just, they're going to, lo- they're going to latch on to whatever Wi-Fi signal they find, mm-hmm. and without your permission, right. they're going to check for an update. They right. have Wi-Fi-enabled CPAP machines. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're a, a commercial driver... If you don't get four hours on your CPAP, right. it reports that you didn't use your CPAP, Dude, and you can't, you'll lose your commercial drive. There are so many things with yeah. Wi-Fi. So my, my sink blew up the other week, and I had to replace my sink, Yeah, right? So I was going, and I'm buying the cheapest American standard fucking right. sink with the hose, whatever. Sure. But so the guy's like trying to sell me on all this shit, and he's like, what about this? And he showed me a sink that's Wi-Fi connected. It's the Internet of Things, Steve. Yeah, and like you can it's be like, IoT. I need four ounces of 79-degree Celsius right. water, right. and then you hold the thing up. I'm like, I don't need that in my life. It's the worst for eight hundred and seventy-five dollars. Right. No, yeah. I don't. It's need a that terrible idea. No. So when it comes to the ECUs and when it comes to flashing them or programming them, you have a lot of options. Right. But the most important thing is, if you're going to choose to upgrade your ECU, then you need to put a chastity belt <laughs> on your diagnostic cable. Right. So whatever the diagnostic cable is in your motorcycle, okay, you need to put something on there to keep anybody from getting their fucking dick beaters on it because if it ends up in the hands of any other shop anywhere right so many people are like and i've seen invoices that come in from shops that are around us and i'm like why did you pay 95 dollars for an ecu update Hmm. i didn't i didn't it's on your fucking invoice pal yeah you paid it what they didn't even look and i'm like you got charged 95 dollars so some twat could plug your shit in for like nine seconds. Yeah, and update it. And update it. And on some of the motorcycles, I can tell you right now that, you know, I can walk up to the bike, turn the key on. It says... Updating. Up, you know, update required. Hit the button. And it's going to... Every time you turn the key on, it's going to say update required right. forever. And you're eventually going to have to say, fuck it, okay, hit enter. You know, press the you know headlight button. Press the headlight button. And it's going to say like, okay, go fuck off and have a cup of coffee because for the next 20 minutes... I'm going to be giving you the system that it wants you to have. Mm-hmm. It's not all evil, though. Our zero motorcycles, you know, these primitive-ass motorcycles, you know, these old zero FXs and shit, they went from, like, 62 foot-pounds of torque to 80 foot-pounds of torque. On updates? Overnight. Oh, wow. Literally on an update. So all the marketing material had to change. Mm-hmm. You know, get out the white highlight, you know, get out the white pen and mark shit out. Our, you know, these bikes, 
that bike went from 98 torques to, uh, you know, 116 torques mm. just because of an update. So they're not evil. <laughs> no cams, no No chain, cams, no nothing. shit. Yeah, right. like, like, what happened? I went to sleep. What happened? I woke up. I got 20 more torques. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, but by the same token, yeah, if you've got a map that you like, yeah. if you've got a bike that's running the way you like it to run, and it's a fuel-injected bike, the best thing I could tell you is put a chastity belt on the fucking e- on the, the data cable mm-hmm. and don't let anybody fuck with it. You can. We've seen customers screw themselves into the fucking corner on greasy kid stuff that they're buying on Amazon, mm. and they're like, oh, you know, if I see one more little semi-translucent box that, you know, says, like, Speedco on the side, <laughs> and it's got a USB plug on one side, and you're like, oh, just plug this into your OSB, yeah. you know, two port, and your bike will go 150 miles an hour. For 17 bucks. For $17, yeah. yeah. That shit does not fucking work. Yeah. But... This is the world we live in. All these products are going to become super cheap. The difference is, if you see the word professional in it, that means that there's going to be way more ability for you to fuck your shit up. (laughs) Now, these companies, and there are different manufacturers, and there are different hobbyists all over the world. There's German guys that do nothing but fuck with BMW maps. And you can, yeah, there's the Germans. And you can go online and you can buy the little cord to go to your computer for 40 bucks. You can pay these guys 300 bucks and get a membership in their tuning club. And you can download 80 or 90 different maps as as many as you like and just play with them and go out and ride your bike and be like, that was good, but I like this one better. You know what happens though? It turns into trying to find a movie on Netflix. Yeah, it does. You're just like fucking flipping. Yeah. You never actually ride. Yeah. yeah. And you're not really, and you're not riding and enjoying it anymore. Yeah. But the one thing that's strange about that I do want to bring into uh, focus because these modern ECUs have ridiculous amounts of memory in them. Uh, it's, it's astonishing. Like even a company like uh, Morelli, which you think like the Italians are not known for their space program, right? So you wouldn't think that that ECU would contain as much data as it can. Memory is cheap. Though. Memory's cheap now, exactly. And I forgot what you said. <laughs> You're only working with 8K, so. <laughs> we got to keep the gelato cool. How are we going to get into space with the gelato? Yeah. But that's the thing about all the all the bikes that do have the ability to change things. Many times, if the bike was running great and the bike isn't running great anymore, it's not really the ECU. It's something. It's a, something else. Step one is disconnect the fucking battery. So step one, if your bike was running great six months ago and now it's not running great, it's giving you weird shit. Before you go attacking a bunch of shit. Check the spark plugs, obviously. Yeah, yeah, go after the obvious shit. But disconnect the fucking battery. Good job. Good out. And woof. Then, Unacceptable. Woof. And some people will tell you, they'll tell you kind of crap like, you got to wait 24 hours. You got to wait a week and a half. You got to wait. No, you don't have to wait hardly at all. You, you disconnect the battery. Disconnect the terminal from the battery, the positive terminal. As soon as you take the positive terminal and you touch it to anything that's chassis grounded, so the positive terminal, once the positive terminal is disconnected from the battery and you arc it to anything that's chassis grounded, okay, what's going to happen is the bike is now nulled out. You've cleared right? it. You've cleared it. Hmm. And the, if you remove the, whether or not you remove the negative terminal is completely unnecessary. 
Okay. Oh, all right. Right. Because the idea is there will be a tiny bit of electrons in there. Now, I've heard stuff like, you know, disconnect the battery and turn, cycle the key a few times. That works, too. That's great. But I've never found it ever necessary to leave a, a bike sit with the battery disconnected for a day. And yet I've heard many technicians tell people, well, in order for us to do this, we're going to have to have the bike overnight. I don't think What's that's the cost true. of keeping your bike overnight? I don't know. I mean, it varies, I guess, right? It depends on how nice the room is where they're keeping it. Is it a semi-private room or is it a private room? Uh, you know, I think you're going to get raped that night. Right. And does the room have Wi-Fi? You know, how many channels are on the TV in the room? Right. But the idea is once you disconnect the battery and once you take the you know the positive terminal battery and just put it to the frame then that computer's off and it eats all the juice out of the capacitor right and exactly and that's the idea is you want to pull the battery the power out of the capacitors when you do that capacitive discharge exactly perfect and now you go ahead and hook the thing back up again now when you hook it back up again you turn the key on cross your fingers cross your fingers <laughs> and only press one button. Don't twist the throttle. Don't dick around with the dashboard. Don't do anything. Just press the start button and let the bike start on its own. And it might not start the first time. But if it doesn't start, don't, don't Touch whack the throttle. Don't do shit. Turn the key off. Take a step back. Turn the key on again. Press the start button again. It will start if it's fuel-injected bike, hopefully. Don't if help you do, if, And the thing is, if you... Give it time, like turn the ignition yeah. on and give it time yeah. for the ECU to reset. You because got it. I did that with uh, my sim. Yep. And I started it immediately. Yeah. And the it, everything it, was out it, of phase. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, a thousand RPM was like eight thousand yeah. RPM on the top. Everything's out of phase. It, it uh, calibrated it, for whatever time when it was dropping back down yep. after it did a, a check. It calibrated that became it zero. That yeah. And so why, was funny. why I mentioned that about don't touch anything is your throttle is a demand sensor. Hmm. And there is a throttle position sensor called a TPS, for lack of a better term. It's just the throttle position sensor. It's in every fuel-injected motorcycle. TPS report. TPS report, exactly. <laughs> Got to get those TPS reports. But what happens with this shit is that if your dumb ass is over here like, well, she won't start. I'm going to give her quarter throttle. Hmm. No, quarter throttle becomes zero now. So the computer does a look, and the computer looks around and goes, okay, what's my throttle position? Well, it's clearly zero. Uh, but, you know, your dick beater's holding it, you know, half staff over here, right? If you have fuel injection, you can't turn that little idle screw and turn your idle. It's not an idle screw. It's not an idle screw. It's your throttle stop. Yeah, it is literally a throttle position stop screw. If you change that screw, you then have to zero uh, out your TPS. You really can't. Uh, without having the computer to plug it into. Right. So if you are looking at a throttle body on a fuel, a primitive fuel-injected bike and you see something that looks desperately like a idle screw, stay off of it. Um, unless it's got a big plastic knob on it you can turn it's with like your, your thumbs. like your mom. Stay off of it. Yeah. Well, there are, fuel in- <laughs> Look, there are plenty of fuel-injected bikes that do have a knob for adjusting the idle. Yeah. And it is an idle control knob, and all it does is open the air orifice slightly, and then the computer detects that increase oh, yeah, of air, yeah. and then increase the fuel a little bit to go with it. Well, that's the largely what is controlling the idle in a, those in a fuel injected is how much fuel 
you have a given opening. You yeah. have a given amount of air. Yeah. It gives it a little more or a little less fuel. And, time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, your time stays. But some may have a bypass air, Absolutely. too. Yep. Yep. So yeah. it's a solenoid. That, I mean, it's a, it's a variable valve. That when you're dealing with a stepper motor, and the stepper motor is literally just doing one thing, and that's saying, how long am I going to squirt? <clears throat> and I'm going to squirt a given number of times, but how long I squirt per time is the job of the stepper. Or meter north. Because your fuel pressure stays constant. Exactly. Your fuel pressure doesn't change. (laughs) Right. So this is a big deal. I mean... It better not change. It better not, yeah. If it does, it's a problem. when you're fucking with that and you're fucking with screws and shit on the side of your fuel injector, all you're doing is fucking up the baseline. Mm. Because those screws that probably have some sort of glue on them are not with which to be fucked for that reason. Because they're set from the factory, when they have a given amount of flow going through them, some, you know, 11-year-old the factory reaches up and gives it the right twist on the screw until the number is what it should be. He drops a, you know, a dab of don't fuck with me glue on it, and he sends it down the line. Well, then American Hillbilly goes like, oh, <laughs> works for me. And then the bike that stalls every time he stops at a red light doesn't stall anymore. Mm. But it also runs like shit. Because all he's done is altered the base tuning of the fuel injector and made all the other numbers in the pot and the curve, just and the curve go wrong. Like. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So the best way that you can do that to reset your bike, if your bike's running poorly and it wasn't running poorly before, null out the battery completely, start the bike using only the start button. I'll get you in a second. And once the bike is going, leave it the fuck alone for a minute or two. So... I have a question. So, well, I'm going to get Chris's first. Okay. Okay. No, go, ahead. go go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So on my S10, it's fuel injected. Right. It has two throttle bodies. Yep. And so I bought the throttle body <coughs> tuner. Right. You know, whatever. The yeah. twin max throttle body it. tuner, yeah. whatever. And I sat there and I ran the thing at idle. I followed yeah. the directions. Yep. And I tuned it and the fucking thing runs way better now. Sure. But so how is that not fucking with the setup of the... Because the device that you bought is replicating the device that should have been used at the factory when it was originally tuned and set up to go out into the world. Okay. The thing is that the world that you're experiencing is slightly different than the world that was at the factory. Ah. So what you're doing is you're taking a factory program that was designed to run at a certain level of richness and leanness, and you're saying, we're not going to work that way anymore. Mm. So we're changing things. It's the EPA's fantasy world. Exactly. Once we enter the the real world. Exactly. (laughs) So Chris, you're right. Well, that's basically what you answered. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and... Once you've done, done that, you let the bike run for you know three or four minutes mm-hmm. unassisted. You get it up to operating temperature unassisted. Yeah, then, that's the key, though. Like you said, it, it, you should get it up to operating And that's what we're going to talk about next and then about go all these things. Is, yes. So there's a difference between open loop and closed loop. And that's where we get into the real fucking problem of people adjusting their bikes. There's mm. a lot of things are running open loop. Yeah. And as soon as it goes down into closed loop. Yeah. That's when, it's game uh, on an open loop. Yeah, open loop I, is let's get this bitch running. Yeah. Open loop is it's cold as fuck outside. My motor's not at operating temperature. I'm just going to get this bitch running. Yeah. So the nasty shit that's coming out your tailpipe and what you're experiencing in the way of power on an open loop. Open loop just means the bike is cold. We're just going for it. Mm-hmm. We have basically one pattern and that's what we're going to throw. And we kind of know what will run. It'll, it'll run. run. It'll, it'll run. run. But it ain't going to run great. Closed loop is when you see a lambda sensor that is further down the tailpipe 
And that extra lambda sensor is put down further down the tailpipe, and that's detecting this variance in temperature between the way it was when it started and the way it is now. And there will be data plugged into whatever that sensor feeds back into mm. that says at this temperature, and at this oxygen, at level, this oxygen yeah. level, the bike is deemed to be running warm. Hmm. And now we're going to go into our actual closed loop programming. And closed loop programming is what you're going to use all day long. If the bike ran on open loop all the time, you'd get super shitty miles per gallon and you'd get super shitty performance. You'd smell what's coming out the tailpipe. Mm. And that's you'd why... you e- cat, too. Yeah, you probably burn up the cat. But that's why even in here, when people are like, I want to start the bike in my shop. No. Well, it's okay. It's fuel injected. I don't give a fuck. For the first three minutes that thing's running... It might as well have a carburetor. It might as well have a carburetor or a monkey sitting on the gas tank dumping <laughs> gas into the car. Because when it's on open loop, it's just a matter of survival. Mm. It's just a matter of keeping the motor running long enough to get into that situation where now the bike is warmed up and it can run correctly. Sometimes if your bike's, like if something fails on your bike, you can just disconnect one of your sensors, it'll force it back into open loop. Open loop. And you'll be able to make it home. And that's limp home mode. Yeah. Right. That's limp home mode. And a lot of computers and motorcycles and cars will do that. So if something's broken or something's not working right, it'll essentially deactivate that second lambda sensor, the rear lambda sensor, right. which puts the bike default or the car default into that, clo- that open loop mode, which, again, it's going to run bad. There's going to be a light on the dashboard. It's not going to be great, but it is going to get you home. Yeah, right. So that's, a, I mean, that's something that as motorcycles that are fuel-injected, we never could have gotten 120 horsepower out of a 600cc motor Without fuel injection, right? Not you for the common could man. Have, but it would it would have run like crap. Yeah, any other range time. except right. like except that for one that you know, like tiny little. And that's true. And it wouldn't have been accessible to the common guy. It wouldn't have been accessible to the you know dick on the street, and repetitively too, and on a bike that's dirty and hasn't been maintained right. So the fuel injection system and these electronic control units do give us amazing gains in power and in efficiency. And they're not to be overlooked. And people were like, oh, this is garbage. I wish it just had fucking points on it again. Well, it couldn't do what it does. You know, there's, there's no way we could get there without this. The tuning of it, though, yeah, man, that is like, there's a lot of people that will take your money. The trick is, is what the company put on the bike from the factory, I always recommend if you're going to change mapping, if you're going to alter in my opinion, it's better to have it reflashed by a professional who knows what they're doing, somebody who's been proven to know the job and do the job right, and then put a chastity belt on your data cable so that nobody else fucks with your tune. Because now you paid for that tune. That's yours. But a second somebody hooks something else to it, it's going away. It'll stay in the memory because it is hard memory. That is flash memory. It will be there forever. You could take the ECU out of that bike and put it in another bike, and that special tune you have will travel with it which is badass in my opinion but you have to protect it make sure nobody throws a stock tune on top of that if you want to see um a really good representation of any of this tuning in live action Mm -hmm. go to norwalk drag way or something like that all the guys from the 50s and 60s 70s whatever that used to be like oh i'm a carb master and all this all these guys running cars now all these like big turbo cars and all this stuff or even nitrous cars After every run, they're back on top of the of car with a laptop. Absolutely. And they're just changing everything. And like, yeah. 
I, when I was working for Blaster, we did a, a video series on this guy, Barney Barnhart, who runs um, a Top Fuel something, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, he's been racing since the 50s. He right. was 70 years old or something like that, 68, yeah. whatever. And he said he had to learn. So now, once, like, you just put the car back together new after right. everything with new plugs, new all that stuff, make sure nothing's broke. Right. Then the rest is all done through the laptop. The, Makes the, sense. The, barometric, pre- the barometric pressure, sure. yeah. the temperature, the tire, everything. all that. Oh, it was a little slow last time, and it changes, and that's it. It's crazy. Like, like literally, sometimes he's pulling up to the line, and his wife will run the laptop out yeah. with their, their their manager, right? and he's about to go, and they plug it in and change two yeah, things. Yeah, make a thing. microscopic yeah. change real quick. It's crazy. So there are a lot of guys, too, that will run a cord into their, you know, in, in a modern car. They'll run a cord into the car with them, and they'll be making changes on the fly, you know, young tuner kids. And they'll be making changes on the fly while they're driving their car going down the road because they're doing active live data analysis and changing on the fly. I think with, that's, that's with an after, uh, wouldn't it be an aftermarket yeah. ECU? Because yep. you don't want to ever flash right. your ECU while it's running or reset your ECU right. while it's running. Because there will be a dead spot. Yeah. yeah. You could, you but you can run active it. diagnostics in anything. In fact, that was one of the big changes for us with the Piaggio products <laughs> is when we had a device that um, we could actually put on the customer's bike and send them out with it. And so we had the device that was the interaction between our laptop and your bike. Well, I could just disconnect my computer from it, put it under the seat of your bike or tape it to your frame, send you out on a two-day trip, three-day trip. If you had a problem that, that we couldn't seem to find when the bike came in, we could send you out for two or three days. And just like a video timeline... It would data log everything. And so I could just look for the high spots and low spots and notice that, oh, shit, you know, 17 minutes after you left my shop, we had a big old spike. Something weird happened. And that for two days it didn't happen. And then, again, you're bringing it in. 17 minutes away from my shop, there's a big old spike happened. And then we realize there's a set of railroad tracks there. And we look at the time. And you go, well, that's about when I'm hitting those railroad tracks. Well, then we find there's a loose connector. Yeah. on a probe and we realize that you have this big shock to the frame and all of a sudden all of our numbers go crazy mm. and the bike starts running like shit well we've seen weird shit like that happen where it was like one bent pin on a connector mm-hmm. which would have driven us crazy especially on an ECU that's got 62 pins right how do you know that with how do you that? know that right. how do you test it because as soon as you take the connector off well everything looks great and what do you plug it into to test because there's 62 fucking tiny little pins there. Mm. We do the in-flight diagnostics, and we have the ability to bring that back and look at a real-time layout of your travels. We can find a problem with it. That's why I do recommend sticking with the OEM hardware, because you'll be able to have access to that kind of stuff. Whereas if you go to an aftermarket ECU, you will lose a lot of that um, future serviceability. So if you leave Kawasaki's ECU and you go to somebody else's aftermarket ECU you may lose the ability to do diagnostics in the future so that, that any Kawasaki technician can do. If you can get a technician to raise their hand to God, disconnect their computer from the Wi-Fi, and do your diagnostic and problem solving, but without dumping in the new map, then that's a good relationship to have. You know, That's a, a great way that you can retain the ECU uh, flash that you paid for without giving up the ability to have the diagnostic that the dealership can offer you. So, or pay the money for a program and plug it into your box, your laptop, and be able to do all your diagnostics at home. And it'll red flag. It'll show you where the problems are if your bike's running bad. 
and then you address them just like you would the OBD2 sensor on your car. Yep. That's the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> Chris is dissatisfied with the answer. No, 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 no. no but but there's, there's certain skill level involved in, yeah. you know, doing that. And, <clears throat> you know, part of the... The original question was, or people bitching and complaining about, so it's a, a Kawasaki Vaccaro, and yeah. when they roll on the, th- the throttle, yeah. uh, it, it pauses sure. and burps and what have you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, you know, my, my question is, hey, you know, you spend legitimate money for a, oh, sure. for, for a motorcycle, right? Right. Why is it doing this? Why is Kawasaki not recognizing this and right. taking care of it on their own, rather than having to go out to a... Third, third party, party absolutely to say yeah. all right fix this shit because they're not going to do it and you do and that's when you do have to kind of <clears throat> find a dealer or find somebody who knows the product uh, intimately and say has anyone fixed this problem who has the vicaro that doesn't do that and if or am i the only one that's experienced this? right exactly and if somebody says well okay <clears throat> yeah if you do this it'll be great okay well what is that what is the issue or do they, quote, all do that? Because I've really, very rarely in my life have I ever found a situation where somebody said, well, they all do that. And then I do a little bit of research and realize they don't all do that, but yeah. they all do that as the easy answer. And there have been very few things where I wasn't able to, through the Internet or through my own research, discover that, oh, shit, you know, it's, it's usually something that's fairly inexpensive to fix. If it is a fuel-injected machine like a brand new, you know, like Kawasaki is going to be, it would be surprising to me that how long has that Vicaro been around? I mean, that thing's been around for a long time. Yeah, I think it's been 10 years. Yeah, 10 years at least. Yeah, yeah. So somebody's got that thing noodled out. I don't believe that they all run poorly with that particular symptom. What I'm inclined to believe is that's the lazy answer. And sometimes on the Internet, you get the lazy answer. Yeah. And I was, I was surprised that the, the one guy, his name's Ivan, you know, Ivan the Fixer, whatever it yeah. helped. He says, well, you have to run 93. Yeah. As your fuel, right? I thought, okay, well, may, I disagree. May, may, yeah. may, maybe he's goosing it a different way, right. right? Yeah, I don't. I I would be very. I'd be very hard pressed to find any motor vehicle where running ninety three octane was the answer. But with his flash, yeah, he says, "What you you buy my flash? Oh, you he have could to build run it that way. Yeah, yeah. you, you oh, have yeah. to run ninety three. He could write his flash to be that way. Yeah, where it requires very high octane fuel. In my opinion, that's a dumb flash. Like that's not the right way to solution to build it. Um, I would always make a flash to be. I would always set a map up to be a map that gives you the ability to run the most flexible fuel possible from eighty seven to ninety one octane. Because that's what you're going to be able to find out in the world, right? If you're traveling, Correct. you don't yeah. want to have be limited to one type of gas. Yeah, and that's a, and that's and yes, he. When you design a map, when you lay a, a, a map out, uh, you get to choose where you want the air fuel mixture to be, and you get to choose how you want the spark to be. The guy who's designing the map gets to, you know. Uh, gets He's to in put, a lab. He, he could spit anything he wants in there. Yeah. Now, whether or not it works, um, that's a totally different thing. And it's it is a very it's a very difficult thing to bench, you know, to, to bench test bench like to to talk about it, bullshit about it, because yes, it's going to be the guy that's building the map, 
Now, if everyone's lazy and nobody goes to the trouble of building their own map, then well, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna get it. But you have to think of a map as being literally a topographic map. It's a 3D representation of air, fuel, time, spark, throttle position, everything. It's literally a terrain map, and that's why it's called a map. It's not short for something else. A map is an actual three-dimensional diagram of uh, of what this particular performance program looks like. And it takes into consideration all of these points of data that the motorcycle experiences in one second of operation. So it is, uh, it, it is a very a tough thing to, you know, to bullshit and say, oh, yeah, well, this can't happen. Uh, yeah, that's... So, so to sum it up... It, yeah. Is it in seconds or is it in, like... Uh, Operational cycles. It's it's literally in duty cycle. It can be in. I'm going to pull one up just so you guys can look at it and just to, to get a quick look at what a tuning map looks like. Just because it is a strange thing for people that haven't seen them before, but the the whole idea with it is you laid out <clears throat> you lay out a map and this is what a map looks like on your computer. So this is a, a real common program, PV Tech. Uh, PV Tech does ECU research and development. And what you can do is you can use your mouse and your mouse becomes a little picking tool and your mouse literally can reach down there and I can grab that spot right there and I can pull it and I can alter the performance of the vehicle. And when I pull that, I'm making it richer, I'm making it leaner, I'm altering the time. And if you take a look at this particular map, it shows engine speed versus manifold pressure, okay? So this one map only controls, so you can look at the dynamic ranges yeah, yeah, of yeah. The, the things in question. <clears throat> that, that basically is giving us, now there will be a map for many, many different channels of data. And if you take a look, there's, every, there's X, Y, and Z axis for every single thing. And as a person who's going to be tuning something, you can change these values at that particular throttle position. And as you can see, it gives you this almost infinite level of tunability. What's the Z-axis on there? I can't, I can't read, read it on that one, but it's probably uh, uh, base mechanic efficiency or something like that. Yeah. They're... Uh, and we'll go. You know, you can go to different ones that'll give you a little bit more, a little bit more information. But the more channels you get of information, the more complete tuning that you can do, and it does give you the ability to have a lot better picture. So what did we say? That's basically that's your base fuel map on the left hand side over one millisecond, and then the, you have the the RPMs run left to right, and you have your uh, looks like barometric pressure on the left. So, and then there's RPMs that go run across the top. So you can see at very low RPMs, around 260 RPMs, there's no data. Your fuel mapping is at nothing. And then if you get to 1300 RPM, you can see that that jumps up to around 10, okay? And that's, uh, that's 10 milliseconds on your fuel injector. So as you change the pulse length on your fuel injector, you can change the response to the you can see the way the rpm alters so that's just a little tiny slice of what a map is when you're doing map based 
ECU programming. Now, obviously, these guys spend a ton of time to design these maps. Some guys will steal from a buddy that has a map set up, and they'll tweak it a little bit. Some guys will change an exhaust, and they'll grab a map, and they'll tweak it a little bit. But ultimately, you have to be a little bit careful about what you're putting into your motorcycle. So if you're going to change and alter your ECU by installing one of these maps on it, and that's the thing is most modern ECUs have the ability to accept these maps if they're written in the language that that motorcycle manufacturer speaks. And there's a whole bunch of forums where there's, like, hacker dudes out oh, yeah, there that, like, you can put in, like, I have a Yoshimura pipe, and yep. I changed this, and I did that. And the guy's like, here's a map that works. Exactly. And you plug it in. Yep. And, I mean, you're, you're trusting a dude on the Internet. Exactly. And depending yep. on how involved you are in that forum, it might, you know, whatever, but... Don't mm. trust the dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but, trust half those people anyway, because look at uh, an exhaust. Somebody puts right. an exhaust on... Yeah. And you have ten people with the same exhaust. It did nothing. It right. did something. It did, you know. Oh, it, yeah. it, it, Way it's, more it's, power. It's the ass yeah. dino, it's, and yeah, nobody has can't. the same ass dino. Like they're all, you know, uh, they're all different. Take and, it to your local shop, please. Well, and that's no, the thing usually too. That is, works, but there occasionally right. you'll find a guru. There's like there's some kind. Sometimes you can find a guru, and there's a dude out there that does pretty well. Oh, that guy's high most of the time. Well, it's it is a strange oh, thing, and you know we we joke that when we're doing the Moto Guzzi stuff a lot, there's there's so much uh, dealers can't keep up with the amount of data that's out on the internet. I don't have enough time to scour the internet for every single person that's writing a new program and i always get a kick out of it look at this website this website if this website was done by like my my nine-year-old niece (laughs) right i'm supposed to trust this website the guy who built this website with the health of my fucking 1400 cc motor Look at this guy's fucking website. But yet he is the There's guy. There's maps up there at the top of the uh, right-hand <laughs> column. I'm, I, like, That's all I want to know. Right. And this is funny because the, the most important thing on this website is the one that he took the time to figure out how to make scroll with his limited HTML skills. <laughs> Use, at your, own Use at your own risk. That looks like the Lake Erie Loop website. It does look like the Lake Erie <laughs> Loop website. It does. This website looks like somebody went to jail in 1995 and then came out and built a website. This is myfirstwebsite.com. It's not even Squarespace. It's like space. No, this is literally, <laughs> if you bought like right can of pop in 1996, you could get a CD-ROM that helped you build websites. And yeah. this was the website you could build. <laughs> and so I'm going to trust this website to have, you know, a, a package for my 1200cc 8-valve Motoguzzi right. have a map. Rather than... Rather than getting go a company like, or go to your dealer, or have your dealer, or have yourself take the ECU and mail it to somebody like Rexer, who does have a proven formula for making power and has a nerd that gets paid seventy grand a year mm-hmm. to sit there and write maps. Bastards! Bastards! Do you have a text trail on your cursor? No, I don't. Oh, I did that. Oh, you did that. <laughs> it was like Lake Erie Loop. The text trail. Oh yeah, I saw. I remember that. Yeah, right. So this is a great example. Like a lot of these look like this. So a lot of these ECU hacker things, um, I'm not going to get into it. Tune list created by Tom, and Tom is a serious <laughs> web designer. You so can tell. You could tell he's really, really read a book or two. But most of them do look like this. It is like the dark web, and it's, <laughs> it's what you'd expect to see. It what does, does it look, look like in Portuguese? Please? I can't even imagine. I well, I've, that's like you get a you get a template, and that's yeah. pretty much. 
That's Whoa. that's no. Yeah, that's all fucked up. It's all yeah. But I guess the point is that when you choose to do this stuff, you are taking your ECU into your own hands, and <laughs> you know the. I always think it's funny because the, they'll usually start off by like, "Oh, thank you for use in our programs." Mm-hmm. To use best, get cable Amazon number one two three eight seven eight, and then once you and then you basically go to the forums and follow like all the people who are just butthurt that they fuck their shit up using this. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, if you fuck your shit up using that, I Asshole. have not a single sympathy Look, for you. Fucked it up just going. I to did. It. I I now have the Corona AIDS virus on my computer. <laughs> yeah. So that's a real thing. So that's hepatitis. So it, it really is. That's that's about all we're gonna go into that. Um, nobody Enough else got nothing shit. else. Well, Enough I, of that I, shit. I, I have, uh, the I, one I, interesting thing about, about that one was that adding fuel yeah. actually increased fuel mileage. Yes, it, they were saying thirteen percent better fuel because you were getting a better power. You're getting stroke a better out. burn. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so here's an interesting thing. Uh, today, so you're hanging out with your friends the other day, <laughs> and uh, allegedly, we, allegedly. It'd take at least three people to fuck an ostrich. The, uh, it was a sick ostrich. It was a sick ostrich. <laughs> uh, so this was kind of an interesting little little nugget. So we had a zero that was performing poorly in the field, and it uh, it just wouldn't light up for the customer. The customer had put the bike to bed, literally, long, cold winter. He'd done what the protocol was, which was to ignore Ein Bike. Mm-hmm. So basically, put your bike in the garage put a blanket over it, don't plug it in, and just leave it the fuck alone. You know, they were telling people, uh, with emerging technologies, there's always like, do this, no, don't do that, no, do this, no, don't do that. And we've all heard it since we've been children, like, oh, well, don't drain the battery all the way, or or train, you know, charge it all the way up, or... Or run it all the way down. Or run it all the way down. Three point eight volts. Don't storage. set it on a cement right. floor. Per, uh, right. So. Yeah. The more battery bullshit. Don't set on cold bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get piles. Your battery will get piles. So, um, last year, going into wintertime, the the order of the day was to get your motorcycle down to about sixty five percent state of charge, turn it off, and live your life. Mm-hmm. Don't What's plug it, it in. Now? Hmm? What's it now? Hold on, we'll get to that. Okay, because I if I tell sure if I tell you shut if the I, hell up if I tell you everything right now, how will we keep our fans in now suspension? I'm right <laughs> now, you just scared me. You Jesus should be. You should be Christ, terrified, Steve. Steve. You should be terrified. Well, your bike's you such old tech; it won't what matter. What you need anyway, to do so. is you need to take like a, a four gauge wire and connect the positive to, to negative, negative and yeah. just leave right. it there. Yeah, the whole winter. I've done that before. How to weld quickly? Yeah. So. So it turns out on some of the new bikes, rather than have a DC to DC converter, which takes um, the the big 106 volt battery mm-hmm. and slices you off a a quarter you know pound, it just slices you off 12 volts to run all the automotive kind of shit. One you or know, two cells or, or six cells or something like that. Turn signals, one, what have you, yeah. right? So rather than running a DC to DC converter to give you 12 volts out of a 106 supply source that you're running down the road on. Zero decided to install in every single Zero motorcycle, all the SRFs and SRSs, this handy-dandy, awesome lithium battery. I'm going to pass it around the room. And uh, what's really awesome about it is it has a heater cell around it. So it actually has a battery preheater Hmm. built into it. Now, this battery is made by a company some of you have heard of called Anti-Gravity. And it's a very nice piece of kit. And it uh, retails in the neighborhood of 100 and 
60 or 70 doll hairs. Mm-hmm. And this battery is in all the zero SRFs and SRSs so that you can have the dashboard and the turn signals and all that 12 volty kind of goodness uh, independent of the main bike's battery, the big battery. Right? So does it, does it have a built-in little charger for that? Yeah. Oh, it does. Okay. So it does. And so it just turns out in this, in this scenario where our customer being a duly diligent uh, zero owner wanting to play by the rules in sometime mid-October turned his motorcycle off at 65% as they said to and put a blanket over it and walked the fuck away. So when he went back out to his bike and he went to start it up again, um, nothing happened. Turned the key on, dashboard was dead as a doornail. And it had no power, no chooch, no chotch, no nothing. Uh, and so I immediately, I dispatched myself out to his house. And on the zero electric motorcycles, in the front of the battery box, there's a little rubber plug. And if you take the little rubber plug out, there's two little dip switches in there, two little buttons. And if you press them both at the same time, I shouldn't be telling anybody this, it will reset the battery board. Hmm. So a battery that's put itself to sleep or shut itself off for some other reason, you press and hold these things for a few seconds, and the lights go, they cycle through their little cycly deal, and they go red, green, 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 and then they flash green intermittently to tell you everything's okay. Because I've done all that, and I have my little light that says everything's okay, but I still don't have anything when I turn the key on. The technician at zero, and by the way, thumbs fucking up that I could call a guy on my phone and have a guy in California pick up the phone who knows what the fuck he's talking about. Thumbs up for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And talk me through this situation. Yeah. And he goes, well, maybe, maybe it's your little lithium. I went, who are you calling little, mister? <laughs> right? It's completely average lithium. Uh, I've been told it's normal. Yeah. Did you measure from the top or the bottom? I measured from the top because oh, okay. I'm a gentleman. Right. Okay. And uh, you only measure from the bottom if you're cheating. All right. Uh, McMurray's a piece of shit. <laughs> but anyway, so I did, I did in fact, I happened to have in my pickup truck uh, one of those free Harbor Freight voltmeter, uh, mm-hmm. you know, multimeters. And I went over and I checked his little lithium battery, and it was reading 0.46 volts. Ooh. Oh, that's not enough. No. So that's not enough at all. So I was able to then get uh, the handy-dandy tool that I carry with me everywhere I go, which is the um, no-code GB40 get-your-ass-out-of-trouble jump box. This will jumpstart my diesel. And I don't know how it stays in cold environments yeah. and doesn't lose charges. It's, it's amazing. Those somewhat are, miraculous. Yeah, right. And so I do charge this up, and I keep this with me when I go pick up all the cars I pick up in Maryland and stuff, because they've been sitting on a dock for a long time, and the batteries are dead. And it can charge your phone like a thousand times yeah. and like everything else. It's, like it's kind of ridiculous what this thing can do. Yeah. And it weighs about a pound and a half without the cables, and it's not exactly fun portable but it's totally better than carrying around a big ass battery Mm -hmm. and this motherfucker will start just about anything Mm -hmm. so um i hooked this up to his uh and you can put this in just the on mode where it kind of detects what the draw is and gives it appropriate or you can press the exclamation point which is the exclamation button is the fuck you were making this shit happen right now. Um, start right now. It is. It's the start Give you bastard. She's got Captain. Yeah, this one has it has this little red button. That's what you use on nipples. With an exclamation point. If you yeah. use that on your nipples, you'd be in Let's a see. different town. Yeah. The, uh, how many volts? Yeah, twelve volts, but yeah. all the amps you could ever all want. All the amps. All the amps. So 
I hooked this up to his version of this, and, and instantly everything was good. The dashboard came on, beautiful. And I was like, well, we've identified the problem. So I uh, decided since I didn't have one of these in my pocket at the moment, which I could have, it's less than a pound, and it's very portable. Very light. I thought it would be heavier. Right. And so would anybody, just for the sake of fun, um, this is 13.2 volts, this mm-hmm. lithium. Um, and I can tell you that it is made by a, a company that we, that we know and love, Anti-Gravity. Would anyone like to guess what the amperage is in this thing in my hands right here? Amps. Amps. Like, mm. like, like CCAs or not, like... Well, I, like, cold cranking amps is... Like hour, like hour... No, we're, we're not going to do amp hours. We can do amp hours if you want, but that's not really going to give us much in the way of math. The, the amps to start something. 350? It's 120 amps, which will start a V8. Yeah. Uh, strangely enough, and they make two versions of this little bastard. They make this one and they make the heavy duty one. So this one is six amp hour. They make a five amp hour that is not 120 amps. It is 180 amps. Guess what? Yeah. That's what's in your NOCO. I know it. And that's exactly it. So I was really, I was just like, oh, I think I know what they did there. So yeah, interestingly enough. So I did order a spare one of these from the folks at Zero because I wanted to make sure that, you know, if we ever have this problem again, we got one standing by. Um, we were able to take the customer's unit, and we were able to charge it back up, tested it out, and everything was tip-top with it. Go ahead. I was going to say, you almost could have taken that jump box, put it on that, yep. turn the bike on, mm-hmm. plug the charger in. Yep. Like if you get it enough charger, it probably would have charged up in the bike. Oh, I'm absolutely certain of yeah, it. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind. So here's the problem, though, is in last year's method of putting the bike to sleep did not take into consideration this little guy. Mm. And what I thought was interesting is this, this little guy has a heater on it. So you, can, you guys can see there's a little heater wrapped around there and because lithiums don't perform well in particularly cold temperatures. And so I was like, well, how the hell? I was like, this little bastard isn't self-heating, is it? It is? I well, don't know. Well, it has a plug. What's well, it has a plug. plug for? Yeah. Well, the plug goes into a loom inside the... But it could be running off of itself. Yeah. It could be in the circuit for this because it is a 12-volt. What's that? Does that have its own BCM? No. That runs off the – there's another BCM on the board? The board. Well, here's what I'm going to say is I haven't opened this box yet, so I don't know if there's a battery control system inside yeah. this box because most lithiums do. Most lithiums do have a little balancing board in there mm-hmm. uh, just to make sure that they do charge at the same rate. But I was curious as to why this died. But here's one thing I will tell you is last year, the solution was put the bike to bed at 65%. Don't plug it in. Mm. Now, there's been a firmware upgrade. And since there's been a firmware upgrade, they have said that now you put the bike to bed plugged in (laughs) and leave it plugged in. But if you haven't had the firmware upgrade, then you're still running on last firmware, which is put the bike to bed at 65%. We know that storing the bike at 65% won't hurt it because you're not putting any stress on the battery. The battery's just parked. Right, right? Throw it away. Just buy another one. You should the, have been uh, riding it last weekend anyway. I did. Okay. It's fine. I did ride it, but I wrote it down to like 65 Yeah, and that's fine. And that we know that's going to work. But apparently now there's some, new, uh, there's some new... Uh, but it you know, should be upgraded because I had it in for the tire and you guys... Yeah, we probably battery. hit it. Yeah, we probably Calm hit it. Calm down, Steve. I'm sure you're okay, Steve. You know Steve. I do not like doing things the wrong way. I know, but this is... <laughs> I do not like it when you start speaking and to steal individual Emma's... words that we can all understand. 
to steal. Uh, yeah. So. Okay, I have to go plug it in tonight. <laughs> so to to quote, I'm a uh, for the elastic elastic trickery that's involved with this. The the new program I'm going to bet you probably when it's plugged in all the time does the cycle that it does cycle it and then it does occasionally throw some charge at this right and it probably does occasionally do things that are meant to be done over the winter time for a bike that isn't going to be touched for 90 120 days so could you use a battery like that for a, a regular bike oh it's yeah I mean, well i did a- go to i did go to anti-gravity's website and they do recommend this for motorcycles up to 1200 cc's for performance racing bikes, because it's so damn light, it weighs 15 and a half ounces, mm-hmm. and it's the size of a, a European pack of cigarettes. So the uh, that's pretty rad, right? And that this will throw the starter on a 1,200cc bike and make her go boom, boom, boom all day long. Mm-hmm. That's badass. And uh, I had some concerns, because this thing, for a while, this, this NOCA booster pack, it did give me a little bit of concern, because sometimes I'll be getting some shit that is like the battery's super mega dead, like cars that I know have been sitting for a year. And the with LED the flashes. On. With and the key it, on. Yeah, with the key on or the brake lights the stuck on. like this when it's trying to and start I, it. I, oh, yeah, I hook this thing up and I I'll plug it in and like, and like you want to put it under your armpit for a while and make sure it's good and warm before you plug it in. And you, you hook it up to the car and you turn the, the flashers on just to get that lithium good and warmed up, up to level. And then you're like, oh, baby, hit the key. And, you know, they're all carbureted, so you're wailing on the accelerator pump. And you hit the key, and you're just like, rr, 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 rr. oh, this is going to end poorly. Like, fuck yeah. But then you're like, wait a second. I know this is a starter pack, but can it live as a battery? <laughs> right? yeah, you're just Now you're recharging it back up for the next time. Well, but we also know with lithiums, lithiums don't like being like, force fucked like they don't like donkey punches lithiums don't like anger like lithiums <laughs> like to be charged like lithiums right like your voltage regulator had not it, it better kiss at the end did they just you got to be gentle with lithiums with lithiums 14.4 gentle slow right? pulses well if you in and out well, if I'm starting up some 26-year-old... <laughs> He's over here moving back and forth. I'm telling too. you, man. If I'm starting up some ancient piece of shit with an unknown questionable voltage regulator, and I got this thing hanging in there as the only life support system where the battery used to be... And it's you're, a four-pound pendulum going back and forth with the contact, like... Yes. And I'm sitting there, and I got this thing going, and I'm like, okay, well, I only got to drive it 26 miles like this, where this is my only battery... I'm expecting to see the purple flame, you know? <coughs> I'm expecting what they call a thermal event. Coronavirus. Yeah. I heard that. But you heard that? Do, do our friends from Cincinnati have anything to do with this, since it is the no-co uh, genius? Oh, you mean our friends from northern Colorado? No, no. Or, or is it... Well, they, we met them in, we met them oh, in Columbus. Were, okay. But they, their podcast is the NoCo Moto podcast, and it is NoCo Genius uh, Boost. Yeah, that, that was right, my yeah. whole point. So right. it's super rad, but I don't know if the Pete and uh, Oh, so they were in North Okay. Yeah, they're in Northern Colorado. So NoCo. Dan was just visiting from Cincinnati and in on their podcast. Dan Hostwick well. is from Cincinnati. Yeah, so he was just yeah. there? No, he's just a podcast enthusiast. Oh. That dude just shows up places. Like, he's a scooter guy. Yeah, right. And he's fucking a really fun guy to be around. I mean, oh, he's Dan's one of my great. favorites. Yeah, Dan's great. But he is super enthusiastic about podcasts. Yeah. So he just like, 
he he shows oh, up. I said I thought that yeah. was his gig with those guys. You think he's a pro gamer? Yeah, right. No, no. just an appreciator. Oh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> no. that's it. Yeah, he, he's not. He's just a total appreciator. He's he's awesome. Dude. Okay, and he does submit great shit. So, anybody else got anything else? Yeah. Have you ever heard of Tuto Mondo Racing? Tuto Mondo. So that's like TMR what? Racing. TMR. So like, okay, so Mundo's World, right? Yeah. So Tuto Mundo, what, what is it? Wide World Racing, yeah. Well, these guys got bored. And? They got bored racing rallies. Okay. So they decided that from now on, they're going to do the Mexican 1000 on Vespas. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I guess I was... They said you, you going with them? I wish. There's not a lot of mods that you can do to a, a, a scooter, so we put knobbies, new suspension, and that's about it. You're much better at, at, at figuring out what scooter that is. So no, what? it's Piaggio. That's a, that's a Piaggio Typhoon. Go, Cinch, so, go. Uh, yeah, it's Piaggio Typhoon with knobbies on it. Yeah. And it's still it's a primitive of enough of a Piaggio that you, can, you could have some fun with it. Uh, it's up on the big screen now. So if anybody wants to watch, they, uh, this is not the first time people have taken a stab at the Baja on the wrong equipment. Uh, our, uh, yeah. I just thought it was very fitting for our podcast. This was yeah. something that we would. It do. is absolutely our friend. We were talking about robot earlier. Robot had to. Robot had to fuck off into the middle of the Mexico to rescue some Italians. Might even be the same team that had managed to uh, run out of scooter, <laughs> and they'd also run out of water. Yeah. Okay. And that's a bad thing to run out of in the middle of Mexican desert. That's and worse. So yeah. they were in super super bad fucked up shape. And robot jumped in his, you know, jumped in his car or pickup truck and hauled ass out into the fucking into Mexico, and had to find these fuckers wow. and rescue them. Brought their it corpses back. It may not be these back. particular people. It may be somebody else. But but re- a robot definitely has brought people from the brink of death from trying to ride a Vespa across Baja. Mm, so okay. uh, bad ass. Uh, I love this. There's no way to look cool racing a Vespa. Says you. Yeah, right. Says you. I think you look cooler. I think it's. I think that's like. Oh, they added skid plates, shocks, and undercompensating. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever you add, that's badass. I mean, doing a Baja 1000 on a Vespa, you know, and they're they're using Vespa. It's Piaggio. That's fine. And now we're not we're not judging them harshly because it's still Billy badass. I mean, that's that's just as cool. I as like you how can they get. have Renthal sticking out of the top of it. And though. that's because you're using a modern scooter. So because you're using a, a modern bike, and that actually does look like a Piaggio. I'm, I'm going to take back my statement that it's a Piaggio uh, Typhoon. I believe that's a fucking Primavera. It is a Primavera. That is an extraordinarily modified Primavera. So yeah, that is a Vespa. Um, I don't know what's going on in the the groinal area there. There's something else happening, whether it's exhaust or what, down by his left foot. Yeah, it seems like something's coming up and out of it. Though. It's only just the basic hint of being uh, a stock Vespa, so that's that's pretty rad. So I dig it. I'm t- I'm totally thinking it's it's super cool that there's a custom built Primavera, right. which is a modern Vespa you can go buy 150 cc that's all jacked up and rigged around to be a Baja vehicle. Yeah, dude, you know, just. That, that, that's the coolest thing in the world, but those are still, you know, those are 12-inch wheels. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you yeah. think about it, they got the Moto Mali guys that take care of yeah, themselves and stuff. But now you cool. got these dudes, you're like, you know what? I'm going on a fucking scooter. Yeah, that's what I'm right doing. on, man. I, yeah. bring, the coolest thing in the world. That, that is hardcore as you get. Tudo Mundo. So, yeah, Tudo Mundo, dude. Uh, isn't that small world? I, 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 my, I'm, bad at, I'm bad at the European languages at the moment. 
So that's it, man. That's it. Nothing else? Fucking ride fast and take chances. Press the button. Press all the buttons at the same time. Button. Button.